welcome to episode 32 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I am joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week we looked at our first batch of games from issue 16 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were grossed out by Groovy Garden, galvanised into pleasure by Green Beret, and destimulated by Sam Fox Strip Poker. This week we conclude our look at the games reviewed that month, along with what was showing on TV and at the cinema in August 1986. Graham educators on the pleasures that await. In this massive mixed grill of an episode, we strap on our sci-fi toolkits and go exploring the mysterious 3D tower-strewn world of Tau Ceti. We tackle the stupid problem-solving demands of the inconsiderate hiccups and debate the unfinished demerits of the crap and crapper Hollow One and Hollow Two. We also hack through the jungly slug-paced club-em-up nonsense of Legend of the Amazon Women, explore the complex world of undercover helicopter pilot neurosurgeons in Infiltrator and decry the perplexing unshelf-friendly packaging and contents of Nexus, if that enormous meaty platter isn't quite enough. We also take a look at the little computer people home invasion madness of time tracks, slip into our Sunday best ninja suits and tippy-toe around the dull rooms and dogs of Saboteur before finally boarding the good ship Delta Princess on a last-minute crime-solving cruise with murder on the Mississippi. How do you like your eggs in the morning? With a side of murder. Mm. So let's get into our first game. <laughs> Graham's eating a lolly, everyone. Graham's <laughs> eating a mini fab. Hello. <laughs> and he's now going to tell you about the delicious fabness, maybe, of Tau Ceti. Graham, yes. tell us all about Tau Ceti. Satai? Satai? Satai Ceti? I think it's Tau Ceti, um, because this is Tau Ceti Alpha 5. Um, just to throw in a <laughs> random Star Trek quote. So, in the 2047, the future, um, there is a method developed that allows us to travel between planets and to nearby star systems and even build, you know, our lives there. And first colonists left the Earth, populated four planets of the G-type, which were Alpha Centauri, Tau Ceti Three, Van Manen, and Beta Hydri. Several months later, we reached they reached inhospitable desert like the inhospitable, sorry, desert like planet of Tau Ceti and started to build new worlds there. So you get this kind of idea that the background's very sci-fi heavy, very, very sci-fi world, very world-buildy. Um, and in the first period of time over the life of Tau Ceti, everything was unky-dory. And then things started to go a little bit wrong. And lots of resources were discovered on this planet. And it actually it became the <laughs> backbone of the society in Tau Ceti. So moving, moving further forward into the world, a deadly plague happens. The, I want to say, Enk syndrome but it could be Enki syndrome so it broke out across all of these various colonies and left not many people around to survive the few people that are left um have got to try and develop this medication and lots of sci-fi babble and story later da 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 Tau Ceti 2046 blah blah you get the idea that there's a lot of lot of sci-fi back catalog to this in the meantime Van Man is repopulated and blah 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 so what is all this what does it all lead to so this is actually a a 3d puzzle I say 3D, but 3D kind of first-person 3D puzzle explorer created by a great game designer, uh, John Twiddy. John Twiddy goes on to do some amazing stuff later down the line, which I'm sure we'll talk about when it comes up. So you've got a kind of an interesting viewpoint on this because you've got kind of a 3D sort of, it's actually quite nippy 3D as well, fully fully filled in 3D as well. So not blocky, mm, yes, it vectors. It's actually got quite nice, albeit kind of small in the main view. 3D and you can fly around the various worlds ent entering the different aspects different places there's different the different palaces and the I don't know what you call them but bases I guess you'd call them and 
So you need to go through, and there's actually an adventure in here. You've got to kind of find this cooling system. You've got to assemble it. The parts are scattered across all the different planets. You've got to pull those together, uh, shield uh, the capital centralis from this big explosion, and you've got a kind of armed, I, I think it's an armed aeroplane, but an armed jet fighter, whatever it might be. So you've got to fly around and find the various parts of this particular device, navigating your way through a kind of a 3D landscape. There's, there's bases that you can dock with. In those, you can explore those bases using kind of a text-based command system, quite simple but a text-based command system so you type in commands like launch in fact when you first start the game you can actually type in the word name and you can name your character and then it forever uses your name throughout the game and just stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's single load all of this so all of that world i've described probably quite badly but all of that world i've described (laughs) and all of the essence of the game all of the viewpoint the 3d and it's not full screen 3d it's kind of there's a small section of the screen to that and then the rest of it's given over to kind of to have displays and the kind of control system which kind of like a i want to say icony sort of choosey kind of pathway system i don't why would you describe that kind of it's out of a the way you kind of choose is it choosing paths is it choosing kind of routes i don't know it kind of presents you with options that you pick from um so that which kind of you, which bit you on about so when you get into the bases you can once you've typed in the commands you can actually choose sort of different commands and different things you can do and oh, yeah, you get yeah. further in the game um, and you can shoot, so you can shoot different kind of missiles and lasers and do all of those things, and you can blow things up and do all of those stuff. So it's a great big 3D arcade puzzler explorathon with quite, I think, quite advanced and nice graphics, decent sound effects, or, you know, blowing up sounds, laser beam sounds, all the kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of a shooty, explorey game, and I actually didn't spend a lot of time on it originally, So, but I always felt that it was a game I could have done with spending more time on, and I did this time, so I spent a bit more time, and I actually quite... I had an interesting experience with it. I felt that they packed a lot into a single load in this game, and that there was a lot. It always felt that there was a lot to explore. It's a bit samey. Some of the graphics look a bit samey. So when you're shooting at the tower, things that are in your viewpoint and they're kind of shooting at you, you're not sure whether you could dock with them, whether you can go into them. But there's quite a a variation of different types of things that you might encounter in terms of towers and buildings and things like that that you can go to. They're kind of you have to you have to control your speed as you fly around. You can control your height and you have to slow down to a sort of certain speed to be able to dock. Otherwise, you're going to fly into things and blow up. So there's some kind of flight logic slash shooty game. There's lots of things to shoot at and you get attacked quite a bit as you're flying around the different worlds and docking with the different bases. And and, and I actually ended up getting blown up a lot. So I'm not sure if that (laughs) meant that I was not necessarily achieving my aim of trying to get around and do stuff. But I had fun doing that all the same. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much in the same camp there. It's a very solid i've actually written 3d explorathon as well strangely there you go it sees you prowling the world of tau sete and your craft trying to find the, it's the 40 rods isn't it you gotta find the 40 nuclear rods or something to put them put them back together again yeah, that's right um something or other it's, it's tech from a technical point of view uh just to say this is a, a conversion from the amstrad spectrum version oh, i think I which was cre- cre- created by peter cook so it is actually not a John Twitty original. Um, it's, it's a conversion. I suppose it's the best of the lot. He improved on stuff that came from the, the other version. And because technically this is incredibly impressive. I mean, obviously John Twitty will go on to do some further incredibly impressive technical stuff down the line. But I think this is almost this is an early game of his, but it, this is pretty impressive 3D visuals. There's, there's, is, a lot yeah. going, there's a lot going on here. I mean, it's, it's not just pretty good 3D visuals. It's the fact, like you said, that they're solid. This is some, I don't know whether this is sprite scaling or carrot scaling or however you've done this but it's really really clever it's really clever you've got lots of good features like the, when you fire a missile they move pretty fast they fire off you know you can they trap stuff you've got flares which can light up the surrounding area there's even uh, infrared when you get at night to so when you know to if, if it's when it's all dark you can 
see, you know, see, it gives you a different color scale and color scheme and everything. So that's quite useful. And you need to do that because it gets very dark at night. There's even a full yeah, day you can night. Flares, can't you, as well, to sort yeah, of light things yeah. up? Yeah, so there's a full day night cycle as well. And the, there is. The, the objects, the towers and everything that's around there have got animated shadows, so it actually moves around them. So you can see it gives you a time as to how how far away you are from dark, you know, from it dusk does. and everything. There's some really clever stuff going on here. My main issue with this is with most of these kind of games is I just wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing. I just find these games yeah, a yeah. little bit impenetrable. It's a yeah. little bit obtuse. I think what happened was I just started shooting everything, and once I realised I could pretty much blow up everything, then I just blew up everything, and then I didn't know what else I was supposed to do I after did that. that. I did exactly <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I can shoot and blow stuff up. Well, I'm going to shoot and blow stuff up then, and that's what I did. And then I died after crashing into something that I thought I could dock with, but maybe I was going too fast. I, I couldn't be sure. There's a lot here. I reckon if you stick with this, if I'd have stuck with this, and I did try back in the day to play this quite a few times but again i think it's just i don't think i had uh, just you know Kazantel, i don't think i had the original so in fact i know i didn't have the original so it was one of those games that was on a tape and i would play it and i'd be like oh yeah that's quite cool what's next yeah yeah i never really gave probably didn't give it the time it was kind of it kind of deserved just for some reason i don't know it's um i mean the drill is coming down the line somewhere and that's you know that's goddamn glacial compared to this yeah so but so this is really impressive and and as a introduction from john twitty it's a it's a stamp of like look what i can do Mm. um i just it's i liked it more now i think playing it now than i did when i was younger which i think we've discussed this before and you've said this about me previously when we reviewed the idol on it probably comes down to my love of first person shooters definitely and you know which this kind of is i guess you know you're trolling around shooting stuff in a first person do you have to be in a spacecraft that you're in you could be running around you don't have to be i don't know it's all right it's good and then zap really liked it they gave it another 93 percent, same as green beret they did i just for me it's just a bit I, I, i don't know if i i think i just need to give it more time um, I think it's very clever and you will get a lot out of this. It falls into that bracket. For me, it's it's not like the Eidolon. This is more in the bracket of Quake Minus One. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think I'd agree with Maybe, that. Maybe not not a viewpoint, but Zoid. It's that strategy, slow, thinky, got to sort of take this your own time and sort of trying something quite impressive and innovative with, yeah. this, with, the, with the hardware of the time. And for that reason, you know, I think it, it, it stands up today. It's just like really nice touch. I like the fact you've got shooting stars and stuff like that. Yeah, I know it's, yeah. um, it's good. It's good. But I just, I need to probably give it more time than it's probably due. And I probably got, gave it here. So that's me. Anything else? Nothing else to add to that now. I think it's a game that you, is worth, always worth going and playing. If anything, because like you said, you know, John Twitty is not famous for this game. But he is no, famous for one of the great games of all time. I think that's a legacy that he bequeathed. But it's really nice to see that the guy could really code. I mean, this has got plenty of complex coding chops on display. And yeah. it's a very good game. It's also the gold medal of the issue, I believe. Or one of the gold medals, sorry, of the issue. No, it's just a sizzler. Oh, sorry. I thought it was a gold medal. I don't know why. No, there's, no, there's no gold medal this issue. Oh, because well, it's 93%. Why did I think that was a gold medal? I don't know. It doesn't matter why. Maybe I just went mad. Maybe but, you did. Um, did yeah, but, I could um, see why this. they would probably... This could have been gold medal material. Yeah. They like they, they like these sort of things, don't yeah, they? And I could absolutely. see why. Strange that it's not. Yeah, Maybe and they, 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 were... they put a lot of effort into the sci-fi you know, world of this game. So, mm. I mean, I gave the taster of the 
but you know go and download the the cassette the disc inlay which you can do by just a swift google search and you really do get like a whole full bore asimov novel before you even enter the world of the game <laughs> so you know there's a whole series of stuff that happens between the planets and between this illness and between you know the plague that broke out and the fact that this certain expedition took place and they only found this thing it's very well fleshed out the world so you know if you've bought into that by the time you've read all that you're ready to enter the world of the the game with john twiddy's amazing coding and, and the graphics in there so now go go play it and see what you think mm, yeah I, i'd agree it is it is something that i would recommend you play yeah all right good that's tau set first game Probably not sure I could say the same about our next one. <laughs> so from Odin Computer Graphics, or is it Thor at this point? I don't know. They keep changing. Not sure which Odin, god they've gone Thor. for. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we've got Icups, Icups, Hiccups. How do you pronounce this? What do you write? I don't know. I-cups? I would say Icups, I think. Icups, yeah. I think, is it an acronym? I don't know. Um, so it Icups. Is. It is an acronym. It stands for International Commission for Universal Problem Solving. So, so tell you okay. That. So it's an acronym, yep. not an initialism. Nope. All right. So Icups. What is Icups? Icups is, well, I can only tell you about the first half of Icups because I couldn't get through the first half to get to the second half. And the first half is some weird, strange sci-fi spy hunter knockoff with nice visuals as pretty much all I could do. So it's a vertical it feels like a vertically scrolling well it's it's spy on her. Just yeah. going up. There's three there's three levels. So the whole point of this is you are in training and you've got to get through all these levels to get to the next section. So there's two parts of this game. One is this top down sort of shooter spy on type thing. The second is a more nodes of yes or style explorer thorn adventure game. I can't speak for that second half because I just couldn't get past the first three without losing all my life. So maybe you did. Did you get to it? No, I didn't, I'm afraid. No. Um, it was <laughs> okay. it, I found the first part I, I had a look at it on the old uh, YouTube just to see what it was like because it is a side scrolling game, isn't it, compared to the top down right. sort of shooter game from the first part. So it is a very different kind of game and it, and you have to actually go around and collecting things in the second part, so. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, the, essentially all I can really say about this is this it's a very nice quite nice looking vertically scrolling spy hunter type thing where you are in a, you get dropped off in your spaceship and you have to fly vertically you can shoot you can speed up slow down there are many other spaceships moving in towards you you can bump them into the side you can shoot them more often than not what happens is they get in behind you and just shoot you randomly and you're dead immediately you have like four or five lives they're yep. gone it's so hard to get through these first three sections I tried a number of times and just couldn't get past it it's not great the the controls don't help because they don't feel the controls don't feel tight enough they don't feel snappy enough they don't feel no. um, they don't give you enough reaction to there's a bit too much inertia yeah so it's very easy to get caught and shot i wanted to see the next section because um we've spoke about this guy before um it's stuart fotheringham who did the visuals stuart fotheringham did the visuals for robin of the wood bouncers Nodes of nodes and arc of Yesod and loads of other stuff by you know o- Odin and these kind of guys. So I wanted to see that next section because I do like his visuals. They're really, they're really good. He has a really nice visual style on the C sixty four. Just annoyed that I couldn't get to that section and see it and play it for myself because unfortunately his very nice visuals are tied to a not very good game because it simply is too hard, too unfair too punishing and punitive to be really in any way shape or form enjoyable and really all this is this first section like i said it's just sci-fi spy on her um i'm guessing if you didn't get through this first section as well you're somewhere in the same ballpark 
Yeah, I felt the same. I thought it was hard to control and that weird inertia thing going on, which meant the movement was kind of odd and, and clunky and not really responsive. I thought the enemy logic was, I'm not even sure what you call that. It was it was pretty much just random stuff. Mm-hmm. So there seemed to be no rationale for anything. And with these kind of shooters, certainly the top-down shooters, you know, patterns are kind of important because that's how you progress through the game. You know the patterns, so you know where to be and where to shoot and do those things. And they didn't do any of that. It was just things were all over the shop. I thought the graphics yeah. were actually okay, which obviously stands to reason knowing the pedigree of the person involved. And I felt they were actually out of place in this game. And when I looked at the side-scrolling part, you could almost see that there was a, you know, the graphics are actually pretty good, but in a, lost in a game of stupid difficulty that you're never going to really get to. The sound was awful in this game. Felt like it was ripped from Paradroid. It was kind of the same almost sounding stuff as Paradroid. Yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. An horrible bleepy um, and bloopy title music that felt out of place. So my mission to become a special agent for Hiccups was very short-lived, I have to say. I was never going to pass the first test, to let, go, let alone get to the second part. And as much as it looked intriguing and it looked like it played okay, because you control a robot with a jetpack in the second part, it is derivative of other Odin computer graphics games. That's all I'm saying. So don't expect it to not look a bit like Nodes of Yesod, because it kind of does a bit. <laughs> so I think that's the problem. You've got these kind of weird insect kind of enemies. I don't know what to make of it, really. I didn't. I just didn't feel like it was coherent and it was too difficult. And the inertia really kind of ruined it. Um, so it got 49% in Zap. I think they were being generous a little bit considering this was full price. But uh, either way, you know, the scoring, as we've already said now, has kind of gone out the window with them for what they do. My feeling was that this was a shoot 'em up that lacked the player logic to be able to really progress. And because of that, it kind of, you know, in the immortal words of Dragon's Den, I'm out. So... <laughs> Uh, it just put me off, so that was my uh, time with it done. Yeah, hiccups. I think is a better name for this. Hiccups. It, yeah, too many hiccups. Too many hiccups. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. I couldn't. Like, I just. I didn't feel like I was in control. I was getting bounced around, mm. boinged off stuff, and just. Uh, I mean, I get, like I said, I gave it a good few goes, and if you can't get past level three to get to the next section, then because you're just getting shot, yeah, you know, punitively randomly all the time, it's not good, is it? Yeah, not good at all. No. Right, okay, so we don't like air cups, air cups, air cups, high cups, high cups. Uh, I'm in my cups. There you go. That's that one. But probably better than the next two we've got a double bill coming up yeah. double bills always bode well don't they no when we get double bills i think they do i mean i've always thought that the double bill games we get have always been our best mm. no mm. no so this is no. olo is it would you say olo or olo <laughs> it's olo in it olo, olo one, one and olo, olo and, one and, olo and two. the adventurously named olo two these were two games for the price of two ninety nine, so one fifty each essentially. So okay, they're cheap, but they're ugly and cheap. Um, <laughs> so just to quickly go through what they are in these games, you are essentially you're a spaceship and you've got to use your laser cannons to shoot through stuff. So in Hollow One, which I have to say, I mean, I actually named these games Shit One and Shit Two. <laughs> And in Shit 1, or Olo 1, uh, I felt this was clearly unfinished. This cannot be a finished game. It was a shoot 'em up that gave no indication of your score, running score, no indication of your lives or progress or anything. You just was presented with sound effects and aliens coming at you and things to shoot at. And once you died, it told you your score. So it said, oh, you, by the way, you scored 1,500 points. Off you go again. So it was mm-hmm. graphics were kind of... They were kind of oddly okay, but the patterns of the aliens were very similar, very boring. 
and it was the same background over and over and over again with kind of flicky buggy scrolling. So that was Hollow One, not the greatest game. So let's then let's even if we said you know okay Hollow One, surely from all the mistakes they made in Hollow One about not letting a player know the progression of their score or their number of lives or anything that actually gives an indication of progress in the game because God knows that would be useful. Let's make sure we put that in Hollow Two. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. <laughs> So no, in, Hollow, in Hollow 2, um, which I've just called Shit Z, um, <laughs> you essentially are playing the game Z, but a much crapper and slower version. You've got a mm -hmm. kind of UFO ship now with two different kinds of weapons that seemingly have no way of controlling the way they fire. They're just kind of spilt out of you like uh, whenever they liked, really. So you've got lasers and kind of bombs. You've got to destroy these sort of things that are on the land, a bit like you do in Iridium. You kind of got to destroy the sort of structures, which kind of are all over the place, but on a kind of a big 360 scrolling background. So the background, there's a difference between the first one and this one is in the first one, you're just scrolling in one direction. This, you can go in any direction you like. Not that it helps. I actually wanted to die in this game. I wanted to kill myself because I hated it so much. I thought, I just want to die and try and find out how much I scored. Because again, it doesn't tell you how much you score or what your lives are. You find that out when you're dead. It's actually really hard to die in this game. I just flew around um, you can control your speed with kind of up and down, and then you control your direction with left and right, so rotate, left, rotate, right. So you've got that kind of control. That quickly gets crazy difficult for some reason I can't explain. So I found myself zooming fast, then suddenly spinning low and going, not quite understanding why I'd done the things. It didn't feel like sometimes the controls were responding to what I was doing. The game ends when all, you lose all your lives, not that you would know how many you've got. So it felt like Olo 2 or crap Z, was a stupid repeat of the same stupid logic that they was was wrong in Olo 1, albeit that it was multi-directional. They felt like somebody had programmed some code and it was almost at that kind of, you know, what else could we add to these games? I'll just release them as they are. So mm -hmm. I, thought, I thought they were both absolute garbage, unfinished, really. They should not have been released. Even at 2.99, this was a push because there's no fun to be had out of these games. It's just endless, boring crap. So I didn't enjoy them at all. 27%. I would have given it a lot less. In fact, I would think they, they deserved far less than that. Maybe they gave them a little bit of that for the graphics. I don't know. But I would have given them around 9 or 10% because I think I don't think these games were finished. They certainly didn't look it to me. What about you? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. They are very strange games because you've got essentially two, two shoot-em-ups. Like one... And I use these other variants really loosely. One in the style of Terra Cresta, yeah. so vertical scrolling. But weirdly, I find it very strange that it almost felt like um, a shoot 'em up construction kit game. They did look it, um, didn't they? In, in, in a little way. Um, and so that's what I felt. But, you know, you could scroll. The screen scrolled slightly to the left and right, so it didn't all fit on. But it was just the same. You got those green enemies coming at you at first. And then you got, I got through the red enemies. And I don't know what was going on. And the other one is more like... Wave after wave of wave <laughs> yeah, of wave of rubbish. rubbish. So the, the next one, the second one, like you said, is like Time Pilot Z, Space Pilot 2. I thought the graphics were really messy. Yeah. Um, the backgrounds were just, it's all that black and green. Or, and yeah. the, the only thing, I, I didn't mind the craters. <laughs> the yeah, first yeah, they, one. They, yeah, they, 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 look, they looked they all okay. right. They were okay. They looked like craters. They were big. They were just repeated. Always, it's like, yeah, there was the same crater over and over. So they <laughs> obviously liked that. The sounds were okay. I did, I did like as well the effect when the score appeared in the first game. Yeah. Weirdly, I, I thought that was quite nice. That's where the liking ends because the rest of it's garbage. Mm. But for the, the, in the <laughs> it made me laugh because in the second one, I was flying around for ages. Felt like forever until, yeah. and then I shooting stuff and shooting stuff, and I thought oh, I'm doing really well. And then I got killed, and it went. You got thirty six points. <laughs> Welcome like, to the world of letting you down what? with the most harshness possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing so great. You're doing crap. Try again. 
what have I been doing? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I've just noted here that it made me deflate and wonder what else I could do with my time. And it turned out that <laughs> turned out that wasn't playing Olo 1 and 2. No. So I just turned them off. No. They were just rubbish. They're, I think you are spot on in that they're, they're barely finished. They're barely, they are, you know, the, 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 bar, the barest of core game loops. Yes. Um, that, that somebody has programmed. They've programmed these systems and they've gone, like you said, well, what else could we do? I just put them out. Yeah. Well, we need to put something now. Just we'll put we'll bundle them. You've yeah. got a, you know you got you can scroll it all the way around. That one scrolls up and down. That'll do. That's all the kids want these days. Just stuff to shoot. Absolutely. Stick it out for three quid. Tell, tell them it's a bargain on a on a crap advert that some people will laugh at in thirty five years time. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Put it out. And that's what this is. It's a it's a mess of too messy shit. Shoot it up. is. It is. There's no way around that. That's what it is. Two no. crap. And it, like you've said, two turns, in, two turns in your hand isn't better than <laughs> one turn in your hand. It's much worse. And it isn't. And even if it's a cheap turd, it's still a shitty turd. <laughs> it's like you haven't learned from the first turd being in your no. hand. Someone's put a second one in there. And then it's, you know, all oozing through your fingers and stuff. And it's, no. it's all messy and horrible. No, you'd never, yeah. you wouldn't get 27% with the fun out of this. You wouldn't get any. I didn't think it was any fun. In fact, like I said, it felt, it angered no. me to the point when I thought, this is just unfinished. I've played, you know, I've, I've played student games when we, when we, back in the day when we taught when I taught game design. And um, I've played games like this when they're turned in by students. This just feels like the kind of thing that they turn in as a kind of a test of an engine or something that's just to explain, explaining a bit of game logic. It's the kind of, you know, the first submission. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's certainly not something that I would have ever expected to have been a published, released game. It's shocking, really. Amazing what they put out in that back in the 80s that, you know, they would expect poor suckers to buy. And the, also, as well, not just that, they had a big, you know, they had an advertisement for it, didn't they? They had an ad for it. Yeah. We looked at that, no. which was shit as well. Exactly. Again, <laughs> this is one of those granny games. Oh, look up, it's two <laughs> games for the price of one, Adrian. I know you like them. Look, it's got Spaceman on it. You've got so, two hips. Exactly. Be careful of them. Exactly. I was going to say, just <laughs> stand a bit close to the microwave with you. Your, your pacemaker might... Uh, might go a bit funny for a few minutes. So, um, no, it's um, it's not great, is it? So, no. No. Trollo 1 and Trollo 2. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Ollo 1 and Ollo 2 are garbage. Oh, God. And uh, this is, uh, coming up is our last game for the section. It gets so much better. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Legend of the Amazon Women. Remember the crapvert. <laughs> remember the crapvert. There was some very, you know, there was the dinosaurs and women and in not in Death the jungle. Stars. <laughs> Death stars and Valley the Guanji. None of that is in this game. None of it. <laughs> None of it. And this was ten pound. Ten pound. So bad. And when it loads up, it, one of the one of the logos says the software that shines. And I went, this doesn't <laughs> shine. You can't make a turd shine. You can't. You can't polish a turd. No. So okay, so you play as Lady Sloan, who after a plane crash in the Amazon must go and rescue her daughter. That's it. There's your plot. Um, what this is is an awful version of Fighting Warrior Karateka. It is actually, it's, yeah. Really awful. Oh, slow, flickery nonsense. And so you know, you have to go and rescue your daughter. And what, what that entails is fighting warrior. You walk along a path. You hit Amazon women until yep. they're dead. You avoid the arrows coming from behind you. You repeat. The controls, they're slow. They're glitchy. They're 
they're cumbersome, they're, they don't work half the time. The graphics, the character sprites are okay, they're not too bad, but the single colour backgrounds are, and the graphics, they're just horrible. Horrible, they're a mess. There's almost like colour oh, clash in the backgrounds, and they're really bad. The characters themselves are really slow, it's all ploddy. There's not much I really want to say about this game because you just wander along hitting women. I suppose you, do, you play yeah. as a woman, you, spe- you play as another woman, but you. I don't know if it's the work version I played or whether the first one, the first one is you play as a white woman hitting a black woman, and this isn't great. But it takes, my, my, my final comment on this was, it takes some doing for a game to make me pine for fighting warrior. <laughs> but here you have it, yes. dog egg. Yes. <laughs> this was awful. I mean, we, we, we wondered if it was going to be, you know, whether you'd actually play a woman in the game. You do, so props. It's not many games where you play as a woman, you know, in combat and, and in a situation, but that's all great. The rest of the game is garbage. It's rubbish. Um, it's terribly bad. It got forty nine percent, which is way too high. It's. I, I thought this was. I, I could barely play it. I could barely. Uh, you know, it's just horrible, ugly, bad. <laughs> you did you yeah. find anything worthy of? Uh, it was merit horrible in the Amazon. Ugly and bad. You remember them? <laughs> horrible, <laughs> ugly, and bad. Uh, it was just rubbish, wasn't it? This. I mean, goodness me. I mean, we knew it would be because of the crap that kind of sold us that eggy pudding right from when we saw that <laughs> awfulness. So when this game rendered its way onto my screen, I was presented with oddly drawn at best, I think high res kind of rendered the high-res sprites graphics. And I knew as soon as I saw it, I knew that I was thinking, okay, if it's got graphics like TNA Nog, then this is yeah. going to be slow. So I was like, oh, look, I'm right. Now in a fighting game, and even Karataka only really just gets away with it because of its, you know, it's a very slow fighting game, but at the same time, there's a kind of a filmic quality and the graphics are kind of good and you kind of let it go a bit of that. But you know what? Fighting Warrior wasn't without its problems. This one, it's like someone took all of the Fighting Warrior and the Karataka logic and just went, you know what? Let's take all of that really those good bits that do remain in those games such as they are and just let's just remove them we don't need that we don't need any of that goodness see what you end up with is a is a clumpathon where you kind of clump around <laughs> you're supposed to be an agile woman wandering around the jungle fighting amazons what you actually are is someone clearly wearing orthopedic shoes or at least <laughs> or something clumping around the jungle picking up batons and slowly clumping and bowing and trying to jump and duck the arrows which actually is almost impossible because of the slowness of the game mm-hmm. so this is like the the an uber shit version of fighting warrior only and i didn't think fighting warrior could be topped for its badness because fighting warrior was really bad at places you know let's forget the fact that you went through triangle doors and you had to hit a cup with a sword in the two moves you could actually do this one doesn't even really give you that so you're meant to be fighting these amazon women as you as you walk slash saunter plod from left to right but in reality, I didn't really feel like anything I did had an impact, that any move that I wanted to pull off was going to happen this week, and that when I jumped or tried to duck anything, it didn't really do either. So I just kind of, everything I did happened three seconds after I'd actually wanted it to, which is mm-hmm. not, for a fighting game, is a terrible thing. So I think this utter drivel game deserves nothing but contempt. It frightens me that these games are released when this machine is capable of doing better. I mean, when when you, like you, when I thought to myself, I'd rather play Fighting Warrior than this, that in of itself is telling you a great deal about this game. I would rather <laughs> have played Fist 2 than this. In fact, Ooh, yeah, there's an yes. argument, you know, it's, there's a number of different things I would rather have done. But Fist 2, Fighting Warrior, there's a number of games that are, you know, just don't. This is just awful. I, I don't know why they do these high-res sprites. Is it from a, is it a game that's on another platform that's been 
sort of put i don't know i don't want to know what the lineage of this was i knew as soon as i saw that stupid advert this game would be absolute crap and i was right and when i came to play it i was like you know what i was right what is frustrating is that you could have made a good game out of uh, a game with amazon women fighting and stuff like that there's an opportunity there to be progressive to have really good stuff going on and what they ended up with was a bikini bikini clad i think main character or at least fighting bikini clad women with no kind of control that means anything and just a poor game i again think that zap were being stupidly generous at 49 percent because there's no way this game's 50 percent good no way uh, at 9.95 you'd feel no. stung and ripped off by this if you bought this because there's no way you get to the end of that you'd need at least a month uh, of play to sit there and go plodding through the jungle at that horrible one or two frames per second speed that it presented you with awful 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 um i hope i never see that game again ever yeah so there you go <laughs> there you go do you like it then oh yeah it's all right no no it's um <laughs> it was worse than dog egg and i'm not even sure what that even is what it even looks like oh, worse than dog egg yeah it's like watching a dog lay an egg that's how bad this is <laughs> slowly and painfully <laughs> i wish my dog do that once it was really horrible <laughs> really horrible I felt, I felt sorry for him i once watched a dog poop out a carrier bag in the park um don't ask me how or why i was there and why that was happening i don't know it wasn't my dog but i actually watched that and watched a dog as i was uh, just enjoying some peace and quiet in the park just came up into the middle of the field and just pooped out a carrier bag very painfully as well it's kind of whimpering and crying at the same time horrible i'd much rather have done that than play his game so that tells you <laughs> Yeah, but I would rather have been that dog and just gone into the middle of the field while someone was having a pit and just pooped out a carrier bag in front of them and done the same painful expressions and woeful looks and kind of shifting around, you know, a bit like a dog scoots doing that. I'm doing that. Oh, oh, white dog poo. There's an image. There's an image that will never leave you now. <laughs> it won't. Uh, so we're going to leave you, dear listeners, because that's the end of that section. Um, we're going to leave you with the image of. Uh, carrier bag crapping dogs um <laughs> as we move on uh to this kind word from our sponsor <laughs> go for it hey we'll see you in a bit where we'll be looking at films and tv for august 1986 please 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 stay with us yeah cling on <laughs> <laughs> don't carry on carry her on <laughs> um. Thanks to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you'll find dirt cheap books and audiobooks via Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and, well, everywhere. Dave was heavily influenced by the Commodore 64 and pays homage to many of the classic games throughout his books. His first book, Ruminations of a Wayfarer, Reboot, his 700 pages of sci-fi space opera for under a book. His mind was on Mercenary, Paradroid, Elite, Impossible Mission, and PSI 5 Trading Company when he wrote it, but not Empire, or the comic game. Not those. No, not those. Visit davidhernwriter.com, that's David, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com, to find out more.
Hello, welcome back. So, what's going on? Film and TV, August 1986. Right, in the world of TV, on the 1st of August, US sitcom The Golden Girls makes its British television debut on Channel 4. Mm. And I'd just like to say to you, Graham, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> thank you for being a friend. Everyone loved that theme tune. In answer to your question, did all mums love this show? I loved this show. Did you really? Yeah, I loved The uh, Golden Girls. What, what channel was it on? Was it cha- oh, Channel 4? Channel 4, yeah. It was great. I and mean, looking back on it as well, I think it's quite... You're talking about a show in the mid-1980s about three older... Four older women, because there was the mother ladies, one as well. Yeah, yeah. Four, old, four older women, all as well, quite, you know, still quite sexually active um, yeah, and yes. everything. This is this is quite an unusual sitcom to air, but also being about, you know, friendship and... and it, but also, you know, you had Blanche Dubois. Blanche Dubois, <laughs> that was it. My name is Blanche. I think it might be Blanche, Blanche Dubois. Dubois. <laughs> And so you had, you know, there was Sylvia. Uh, I think it was Sylvia. Was it Sylvia? No, what was the other one's it name? I can't remember. There was the three. There's the three of them. The three main characters. Yeah. And then there was the mum. Um. And so it was. It was. I thought was quite brave. And and also, I yes, I did enjoy it at the time. But you know, it was a nice. It was a counterpart to things like Cheers and all those kind of classic mid eighties early 80s American sitcoms that we got over here mm. uh, I, I, I used to enjoy it but I'm not sure my, I think my mum did love it my brother certainly loved it as well I watched it with my brother um, we used to enjoy it so it was good and I liked it yeah. one weird one I think I watched it. It wasn't something I, I went... It wasn't one of my go-to shows, obviously. And it was by the way, it's Blanche Devereaux was the... Blanche Devereaux. Blanche Dubois is in Street Cane, Street Cane <laughs> Desire, <laughs> isn't she? Blanche Dubois. Uh, it's Blanche Devereaux, Rose Nyland, Dorothy Zabornak, and I believe... She's the divorce. I can't remember all that. And then there's the... Sophia, I think, was the older one. I can't... That's it, Sophia. Anyway, it, I remember watching a few of them, and it was quite a long-running series. I think it ran for quite a number of years. So, mm. interesting. And Channel 4 had a habit of picking things up like that. Um, I wasn't sure if it was ITV or Channel 4 that aired the Australian soap opera uh, Prisoner Cell H. I think it was actually ITV, thinking about it. Yeah, it was, yeah. But uh, some of those late-night slots down in the 10 o'clock doldrums, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock doldrums on the, on the ITV and Channel 4, you started to get a few of these. Roseanne, I think, appeared around that time originally before it was kind of repositioned a bit earlier on when it became popular. And there's a number of others that appeared around that time. Soap was one I remember that being I was just on. I was just going to say soap. Soap is the classic. Soap was so good. I don't remember a lot about soap other than the name soap and the music. Um, this is the story of two families. That's right. Um, um, I can't remember what the f- and I remember and Benson was another up. one, wasn't it? Because Benson was a spin-off of soap, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. So, but, but I remember, and and a lot of my exposure to multicultural television for want of a better mm. description, was actually on a, on account of some of the American kids and TV shows. So things like Benson, Golden Girls, um, think, and even as bizarre as this is going to sound, Sesame Street introduced me to more cultural different presenters and cultural backgrounds, different ethnicities than anything in the UK ever did. Everything you got on UK TV was kind of a, a middle class or upper class white woman, white guy, sort of, you know, especially kids TV kind of from that position. It changed slightly later when you got they had sort of presenters as it came, kind of developed over the time period into the 90s. But at this particular time, you know, these some of these TV shows from America were kind of a breath of fresh air, you know. Even things like, because Channel 4 had Cheers, didn't it? And mm-hmm. of course, that was later than Frasier. And, and you no, know, there's a number of great shows that have come out of there. And they do sitcoms really, really well, don't they? Annoyingly well, the Americans mm. sometimes, so... I mean, don't, don't, I mean, don't forget, I mean, in the UK, it wasn't that bad. I mean, with things like Only Fools and Horses, but I think you, you, you still had... I mean, I see what you're saying, because you, you had... I don't know, I mean, that's from more than the 70s, but you had, like, Yes Minister, Yes Prime mm. Minister, To the Manor Born... Yeah, and, and things like that. So the there's a lot life. of um, 
the good life. So it was a lot of middle class. Yeah, butterflies um, to some extent. Stuff. I suppose bre- we'd already talked about bread, but then bread was more of a drama, wasn't it? Wasn't in that yeah, sitcom was, slot. Yeah, kind of comedy drama kind of sort of angle. Yeah. But, but yeah. um, the US were good at those, yeah, they those were, things. Yeah, they were. There you go. But uh, on the same day, I think, on the 1st of August, Michael Cashman uh, made his EastEnders debut as Colin Russell and Soap's first gay character. I remember that. Mm. I remember that quite well. And then later, of course, it was revealed that one of the main characters had HIV as well, which was, I think, Mark Fowler. Yes, so did, EastEnders yes. actually was pretty progressive back then. I don't know what, I don't, I don't watch any of those things anymore. I did go through a phase of watching them and, you know, it, it's a big endless TV melodrama, isn't it? And so it is it is what it is. But they do bring these things into these soap operas and try and deal with them in that way. And perhaps they didn't shy away from things that perhaps at that time Coronation Street kind of did. They focused more on the interplay between relationships and how they go sour and in terms of... No, so-and-so cheated on so-and-so. So Mike Baldwin was cheating with Deirdre Barlow and Ken Barlow would periodically mm-hmm. go mad. And that was kind of a triangle that went on for a long time. It, and they went off in their own weird territories. And EastEnders did have a weird wife-beating pub landlord. It had its first openly gay character. It had lots of diverse characters in it right from the get-go. It was always the aim of it to be that. And I quite admire the writers and the producers of EastEnders for kind of trying to tackle that, albeit that obviously it always goes the way of the soap opera, hence the soap opera part. But that's for 1986. That is pretty, pretty progressive, isn't it? And this remember at this time, probably around this time, this is when we start to get those awful government adverts where for HIV and AIDS and all of that kind of thing and the whole... They were very, very effective though, weren't they? They were, but they were also, you know, but at the same time that the TV shows are trying to promote uh, more open agendas for gay characters and for other things and trying to open that, the government narrative at the same time and the popular media narrative in those early 80s up to this point when things started to get a bit more figured out was that tombstone crashing to the floor with don't die of ignorance. And, you know, when we were all fed this kind of weird narrative, somehow it filtered its way to our ears at school level when we were all at school about, you know, all of the various things that were happening in the world around HIV and the sadness and how it had affected homosexual people across the world hadn't really been the interplay that was fed into the UK narrative until much later. It was just kind of this illness that came about and taking chances like having openly gay characters and then later on characters that developed illnesses like HIV is very brave. So I admire EastEnders for that. I think it's a, but they always kind of did it. Whereas Coronation Street went down a weird path, didn't it? It ended up with Deirdre Barlow being in prison for something. I mean, that's random. Yeah. Yes, random, did, random. Yeah. So then with the Wolf of One, whatever <laughs> she was, it's just weird how it all goes. I suppose they, they take everyday occurrences and have to make them soap opera, you know, operatic. So yeah. very massive melodramas of, you know, good and bad and Absolutely. all that kind of thing. Tragedy and comedy and all that. And you have to watch out for trams. You do. Yeah. And in that scene, who's it who got killed by a tram in EastEnders? Sorry, in Coronation no, Street. It, it was Corey, wasn't it? In Coronation it was, it Street. Was, you know what? I want to try and remember. Alan it all. Bradley, was it? That's it, yeah, because he was the one that killed somebody or other. And, oh, I and don't he know. got hit by a tram in Blackpool, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah. Awful business, yeah. <laughs> Awful, yeah. It's not real. He didn't really get it. No, no what's exist. awful about that is that he was in Blackpool. Because <laughs> the, the thing is, that the irony of it is that it's full of illuminations. So he would have been seen by that tram because it was literally <laughs> the most illuminated road in Britain. And he still got smacked into by a tram. So, ha, that's what happens. Karma. There you go. There you go. Uh, 9th of August, the Yorkshire Television ITV region. And so we were pretty lucky here. Becomes the first UK terrestrial channel to broadcast 24 hours a day. 
initially simulcasting the cable and satellite music video channel Music Box throughout the night. The other ITV regions gradually switched to 24-hour television over the next two years. Now, I was surprised that this was 90, 1986 because I remember same, staying same. up and watching this. Did. I was only 14 at this point. Yeah, I remember doing that. But the reason that I didn't really mention uh, Cutting Crew, uh, I Just Died in Your Arms, that song was on a heavy rotation um, <laughs> on, on, these, on these shows. And that's when I, when I saw that, that was in the charts and then this was in the same month, I was like, ah, that makes sense because I remember that song. That's the one song I just remember playing that and Cutting Crew and It Bites. Yeah, uh, was the another one. But yeah, so I do remember watching watching this, staying up and, and watching a lot of the TV stuff as it went through the uh, through the night. It was kind of a kind of revolutionary one. It's kind of groundbreaking and kind of strange to sort of twelve o'clock. You were just used to the telly going off, and suddenly it was like, no, it's six hours of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, the music what, box logo was a revelation. Because I remember thinking it was MTV. Like I remember thinking it was kind of MTV, and I didn't have a we didn't have any already any real experience of MTV at that time because it was kind no, of locked didn't. onto oh. a Sky Channel. So this was the best next best thing for free and so you ended up being kind of weird late night tv didn't it and it led the way yeah. then into you know your weird shows like uh, hitman and her and james whale radio show and sledgehammer <laughs> oh, God, and yeah then you'd have music box production t- shows like there was a weird chart show variation and then there was um raw power slash power hour which i think is what it was called originally and all of those shows were all music box productions though so they were clearly built for that music channel but ended up on itv and well i was that's i think that's probably responsible for my uh, gcse grades essentially some of that some of that, <laughs> some of that late night you know gawping at the uh, yep. at the uh, yorkshire tv because you know when they brought that in i know and i had a tv in my bedroom at this point as much as it had a faulty volume control which meant at any point it could just go really loud and i wasn't really allowed to watch tv till two or three in the morning but you know often i did until yeah. and of course if God help me if Transworld Sport came on at any point in time, because that was it. <laughs> oh, once, you, once, you, once, you, once you'd watched Transworld Sport, you were awake for the rest of time. That was it. It was going to you. <laughs> It was a weird fact that once Transworld Sport was shown and you saw the opening credits, you were never going to sleep. That was it. You were awake forever. <laughs> so, you know, forget any chance of drop, dropping off to sleep. Transworld Sport, for some reason, it just it made your eyes open and kept your brain active in ways I True. can't explain. You, you, could, you could combat it, though, by putting on uh, 2001. Yes, later later down the line, that did actually work. That was the balance, had to. If you, if you, if you suffer Transworld Sport, you put 2001 on. Yeah, it's like, uh, and the video, the amount of times, though, I woke up to a room bathed in red light, <laughs> blood red light, going, Dave, I'm losing my mind, Dave. I'm like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> no, I thought I was watching, um, you know, water polo from Japan. What's going on? So, uh, yeah. No, weird. Yeah, but cool, cool that we had, cool that we had that first. Yeah, through through the night TV was a, a proper um, revelation. revelation. It was, yeah. it really was. And also, you know, because I've always been one that's not gone to bed early. I just don't do it. I'm a, I'm a late night person. Mm. Um, I'm not a morning person. I'm a late night person. So having, I'm a beach person and a night person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a late night person, and I like to. Uh, I always wanted to see some of my things hanging on yeah, uh, in the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Amazon Women. Go and watch Please. Amazon Women. We've already said it. Yeah, do that. We've already said it. You're never going to get that joke uh, unless you do. No. 21st of August, Channel 4 announces the introduction of its red triangle to indicate certain late-night feature films for which special discretion may be required. Yeah, Rudy, rude, rude, yeah. naughty, naughty vision. Usually foreign, usually uh, European. Almost certainly foreign. Yeah. So I watched yeah. a lot of those red triangle movies. It's so the, did I. <laughs> the formative years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I probably should have watched more. I actually probably was exposed to more Jean-Luc Goddard movies at that point than I ever cared to think about, but I didn't pay 
paid attention to that. I was on boob watch um, <laughs> or, you know, naughty bits patrol. And what actually resulted from that, because I don't think actually that many of the Red Triangle films had lots of you know, nudity in them or anything like that. They did occasionally. It was Euro nudity. So, you know, we're just going to say, you know, I'll leave that to your imagination, but there was more hair on some of those women and men than there ever should be. So, you know, so, and also I have, I have tried to narrow down because I've seen, i worked out that I've seen almost every Alan Del, Alain Delon movie and I couldn't really figure out why. I was thinking, how have I seen Borsellino and Cohen? Where, where have I come across these films? And it's that stupid red triangle because he's in almost every one of those films they showed. So I've, I've watched, you know, by process of trying to scan movies for any signs of boobs or nudity or any sexual content like you do when you're a bit of a you know randy teen as it were i actually ended up watching the, pretty much the entire alain delon back catalogue and filmography so that's always a you know bonus didn't help though no, no didn't didn't, it, no, it didn't these help. are formative years and god help us what was in there i don't i think i, I remember emmanuel burt movie couldn't tell you anything about the film but i remember she was in it so there you go <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. In uh, other sexy news, 26th of August in Emmerdale <laughs> Farm. <laughs> as, it's, as it was known then. Original character Pat Sugden died after rolling her car down a hillside to avoid a flock of sheep. Uh, the old flock of sheep rollage. Um, sheep. Of course, it's not called Emmerdale Farm now. It's just Emmerdale. It's just Emmerdale, yes. Mm. Very soon it'll just be Emma. And then it's and just then M, M. And then E. And then just E. Yeah, I don't remember who Pat Sugden was. Um, I don't remember anything about. I don't. What it wasn't. A, I wasn't a soap opera watcher. But if I did watch any, it was kind of EastEnders or Coronation yeah, Street. Emmerdale, but Emmerdale was, Farm this, was this the one on going. before. Yeah, it was the one on before. It was, it was the Tuesday and Thursday night one, wasn't it? Yeah, because I think Coronation Street back then was just Monday and Wednesday. Yeah, and my memories of Emmerdale every night. Emmerdale Farm, you know, because I've not seen any of the recent ones, and I know it's full of quite attractive characters now. Back then. It was just all, it looked to me as a young person, it just like it was full of old people talking about farm related problems. Oh, yeah, you're bogged down with foot rot this week, aren't you, <laughs> Phil? Oh, yes, and my, you know, and it was just like, well, oh, I don't want to watch any of that, you know. Oh, my gates come off, it's injured, are you going to help me? Oh, yeah, don't you be looking at my missus, you bloody. And it was just full of stuff like that. I don't you remember do know thinking. You're in Yorkshire, don't you? I, I was trying to avoid doing any kind of localised accent for fear of <laughs> so, so, repercussions. So you did one anyway. <laughs> so just, yeah, I'm not sure what that was. Uh, but uh, you get the idea. Wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. So no. Pat Sugden getting killed by avoiding sheep. Yorkshire tea. Just a, it's just a hazard of the time, isn't it? So uh, it is. Yeah. Um, there you go. It happens. It does. Thirtieth uh, of August, BBC One began a run of films making their debut on British TV under the banner of Saturday Night at the Movies. The first in the season is Harold Becker's 1981 drama Taps. They weren't going for a big audience then. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe not. I've never heard of that tell. film or Harold what, Becker. T- Taps, I believe, if I remember rightly, Taps is set in a military school, military academy. Okay, okay. And I think something to do with that. That's about right. as far as I go. I'm not quite sure whether this one of them goes, where it all goes a bit wrong. I can't remember. Okay. 31st of August, debut of Alan Bleasdale's four-part World War One drama, The Monocled Mutineer, right. on BBC One. The series caused some controversy when some right-wing newspapers cite as an example of what they believe to be left-wing bias of the BBC. Oh, goodness me. It never, ever ends. <laughs> Doesn't it? It just shows you that this kind of stupidity is endless and has always been present during any kind of broadcast production. Worse still, of all the things the BBC is, left-wing is not necessarily what I would have i would have branded it as but you know what i Not wasn't really. the fact that they put those those words into a sentence means i would never have watched that no monocle no, mutineer not. bbc and alan 
and Bleasdale. And that's enough for me. I'd have been like, no, those words make no sense in any combination for me at all. No. <laughs> I am turned off. I am turning no. off. I'm going to go watch the British television premiere of the James Bond film For Your Eyes exactly. Only on ITV yes. same not, day. I'm I off am, to watch that. I am not going to get a case of the Bleasdales. I'm going to watch uh, For Your Eyes Only, which is a James Bond movie that I hate. I really hate it. I hate it. Why? I quite like For Your Eyes Only because nope. it's quite low key. It's awful. <laughs> it's also got the uh, follow. It's also the true follow up to uh, On a Majesty's Secret Service, it isn't is, it? Yes, because it's got kills, the beginning bit. Yes, now, that's the only bit kills I like. Blowfield. He kills Blowfield by dropping down a chimney off a helicopter at the beginning. That's fine. Because, of course, at the end of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, James Bond's wife gets killed by Blofeld, yeah. and this is his revenge for that. So that does neatly tie that No, neatly tie that loop. And isn't this one all around some um, computer? Yeah, Some yeah, sort of yeah. computers. Atactusin Cyril's, the, uh, yeah. the, the parrot. The yes. parrot gives, it, gives the game away. Yes, it's... I seem to remember. It is exactly, yes, you've got it spot on. The other thing I don't like about this is it's not a very good James Bond, because at this point he's borderline decrepit anyway, but not great. <laughs> He's not uh, bad in this one. He's not. He's not. He's only. He's only fifty percent dust. He's, yeah, but he's. He's just. You know, he's eyebrow risingly earlier. Kind of. You know. Ugh. And it's got the wor- one of the worst, if not the worst, James Bond themes because it's awful. So. Sheena Easton, isn't Sheena it? Sheena Easton singing for your eyes only. only it's got a good scene. Where, it's got a good scene where they get dragged through the water. I quite like that bit. Uh, well, you say good scene. I say bad scene. Um, I don't like it I don't I'd kind of lost my faith in James Bond movies at this point they're heading down a very naff path and it was clearly time for James Bond to in that incarnation to have a bit of a rethink it was getting a bit you know James Bond was starting to look less like a British super suave sophisticated secret agent and more like a pensioner on holiday and that's never good and that, that's never good it's never good at all no when he can get his way into uh, secret meetings with his bus pass well that that's and, never what you exactly want. and if he's going to shoot his wall for ppk and there's a likelihood <laughs> that he's going to shatter his wrists um just no 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 Oh, you don't ever want that. Right, okay, so that's your TV. What have we got for films? Well, there's some there's some biggies here. We've got, on the 1st of August, Cobra. Cobra. Is out. <laughs> no, I watched that not too long back, I, Cobra. I watched it yesterday, in fact, oh, for, really? this, for this podcast. I did, yes. And I hadn't actually seen it since then. <laughs> it's the first time I'd watched it since yeah, same 1986. Here. It ain't good, is it? No, and for good reason. I hadn't watched it again. <laughs> I was not impressed with... Sylvester Stallone's what's he called Cabretti Marion Cabretti <laughs> stupid he wrote this film he... do you know that he wrote it I know he did but why has he got I don't know why but why has he got a massive Pepsi advert in his garden because it's uh, I suspect <laughs> sponsored by Pepsi sponsored by Pepsi <laughs> but he would have that in just real life who cuts their pizza with scissors <laughs> and why does he do that it's really stupid um, he's got a big computer with tiny little monitors as well M- made me very uneasy that did um, and just stupid I mean the, the, in actuality right because it's a George Cosmatos movie and it's the same guy that made Rambo 3 and yes. Tombstone so so it's a, it's, a, it's a Sylvester Stallone movie then isn't it let's yeah, face it it is essentially and this the opening sequence of it um, where there's the kind of axe gang clanking their axes and weapons together in kind of a and there's a motorbike and there's kind of that red background and, and I have to say there was a striking similarity to some of the look of that and that recent Cosmatos movie I think it's his son it's a horror movie with like a motorcycle gang in it and weird demons from beyond and Nicolas Cage is in it. It's a really strange film. I not, can't remember not the name Mandy. of it. Mandy. Mandy, yeah. So it, it, oh, right. the way that that beginning five minutes looked with the sort of bright red background, the motorbike, the, the sort of surreal shots of 
the gang clanking the axes together. It had a feel of that. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe there's something in this. Maybe this beginning bit is actually quite unique for the time, completely different to anything I I didn't remember it at all as that. Mm. Then it went into straight into kind of 80s Robocop in, you know, super cop territory. So, you mm-hmm. know, Q guy into supermarket blowing. Where he goes into the supermarket and shoots out the fruit. I'm like, you, you madman. Stop shooting at the grapes, you crazy. And then he just randomly shoots a guy for no reason even though he's got he's had plenty of opportunity to do that he just tells this guy you're free and then just blasts him in the back at this point somehow Stallone's character just wanders in to this scene and sneaks upon the guy and issues his line you know crime is the disease I'm the cure and blammo yeah. and then and he actually he throws a knife into him at this point doesn't he so he actually doesn't kill him with his gun <laughs> he flicks a knife straight through his chest and then shoots him like multiple times just to make sure because the guy's apparently got a bomb which he just doesn't matter he's got a bomb he just drops that it doesn't matter about that and then it's just so stupid he's got sunglasses on through most of this movie hasn't he Stallone yep and a match in his mouth either match side out or match side in I would say that's dangerous you know that's just (laughs) just putting it out there I know he wants to live dangerously and bail out the super cool guy. His, his choice of car is just inexplicable. It's like he's stepped out of 1936 in some kind of armoured grey tank. I don't even know what you call that kind of car. It's really weird. And then he bumps into, uh, you know, he starts, then he starts hitting the stereotypes immediately. So the angry boss at the police station stereotype is there. You know, the, the mayor's definitely shooting things up his ass or his ass is on fire. <laughs> or, you know, and, and then it's kind of the interplay is actually actually kind of a take on Dirty Harry. So it's actually almost like a weird shit remake of Dirty Harry in the sense you've got this, you know, the superpowered cop likes to likes to go in gung-ho, blow things apart, shoot everybody, ask questions later kind of approach. Then in the middle of all that, you get the, the music video, the two music videos. I mean, yeah. So you get the really, really weird photo shoot, which I have to say ranks as one of the weirdest photo shoot montages of all time, where Bridget Nielsen is just in various outfits one of which is so skimpy it's it's unbelievable it's not even there yeah it's like she's just wearing an elastic band over her flu and she's just next to giant robots i don't get it i don't get why it keeps cutting to like the scene of her doing that angry gang violence and these giant silver robots it's really really weird really weird i think it's i think the the uh the answer you're looking for here is cocaine yes i think there's plenty of that i think you yeah. need plenty of that if you're going to try and make sense anyway the story the story such as it is is there's a vicious gang of murderers going around randomly killing people knifing people the knife attackers who are some kind of cult gang i think and the police can't figure it out because because as was always in these 80s things the normal police are just useless shit who can't do anything <laughs> So they just can't figure it out. It's like, and the way they refer to him as the Cobra makes me laugh as well. Call the Cobra, get him, get that guy. You can't solve this. You're not capable of solving this in any normal capacity. Get a guy who kills everyone to solve it. He'll figure it out. You're just a boa. (laughs) So they get all the cops are just snake names. Stallone's character is a police officer. I think skirting perhaps on the edge of criminality. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, anyway, right. long is he Bridget Nielsen's character witnesses a the axe murder gang killing an innocent woman, but manages to survive. They go after her because one of them's a police officer. They go after her, figure out where she lives, figure out where Stallone lives in the funniest attack sequence of all time, um, where he gets oh, attacked yeah. outside of his house. <laughs> it doesn't last long for those poor people who try and attack him. Um, and then the crazy guy goes to the hospital and oh, it just it gets funnier and funnier as the scenes progress, inevitably ending up in a confrontation between the ultimate bad guy and the ultimate 
good guy. And it's a role that Stallone repeatedly played over and over again. So it's not dissimilar to Demolition Man in the, in the sense of his positioning in that and, and Judge Dredd and his position in that. And so Stallone is the superhero. Um, the guy that plays the evil bad guy was quite interesting. He actually plays it, perhaps overplays it really, really well. I think it's the same guy who's in Fright Night as one of, Fright Night 2 actually, as one of the henchmen, I think. Kind of a big jawed, kind of um, European looking dude. Kind of plays the, it well. I, can't, I can never remember his name, but I think he's also the... Uh, original alien bounty hunter in the X-Files series. Yeah, yeah, actually, yes, you're right. It is, that is him. Yeah, it's a big, big, you know, fighty dude. And then, yeah, of course, there's, obviously name. there's going to be a, a fight sequence in that and horrific. And lots of sort of throwaway lines in this, isn't there, you know? And, you know, it, it's very... Because, yeah, I mean, we, we, of, we often go... When we've looked at these kind of films before, whether it's been this or the Schwarzenegger movies where there's the kind of shining on lines that they say, you know, um, you know, stick around and all that. But in actuality, if you actually roll the clock back, Dirty Harry was doing that in 1970, whatever it was, mm-hmm. 1978 or 75, whatever Dirty Harry came out. So you've got the, you know, loads of one-liners that Clint Eastwood used to come out with in those films. And so he kind of really started that off. And this kind of follows on from that. So, but my rewatch revealed to me only that it was as crap as I remembered. That, <laughs> St- that Stallone is actually, you know, it's an amazing looking guy in that film. I mean, I'm you know, in in the sense of a, a superstar performance and the way he looks is kind of very super stylized. And Bridget Nielsen's quite a striking female lead in there as well. I think they even met and dated and I think they were in a relationship maybe at that time or became one. Yeah, they were. They met on Rocky Rocky. Yeah, so, so they were kind of together. She's not a great actress. He's not a great actor. He wrote the script for this, so you can expect the script isn't what you'd call amazing. But uh, it is what it is. It's I would ha- I don't really want to say to people go and watch it. I think as a film that came out of the eighties, its heart is truly one and well and truly in the eighties. There's no doubt about that. Mm. He's uh, the guy. The guy I read about was Brian Brian Thompson. Yeah, he definitely, he's definitely the one out of X Files. There's no doubt about that. It's him. Yeah, he's in. He did loads of things. He was in Moonlight, in Knight Rider. Yeah, yeah. He often um, played that kind of body. It was kind of a you know that kind of odd looking. He played fero- Hopkins in Falcon Crest. Yeah, he's a ferocious looking kind of guy, and he plays it well in this film. Mm, um, Alien Nation and some of the murders in it in the early sort of first maybe first two or three acts of this because it later turns into a kind of a silly chase movie but the first few acts where the axe gang are going around murdering a few people there are a few brutal murders in there you know people getting stabbed in the neck and stabbed all over and lots of stabbage going on with his studded knife stabby stabby that he's got so pretty grim stuff but it does I think halfway through change to a kind of a Stallone as the hero saving the damsel in distress from repeated attacks by the baddies to the point when you know it's the big confrontation and you know where it's going to go I was half expecting there to be a shot twist ending a la Die Hard when the bad guy sort of reappears just in the last few minutes and then gets gunned down but that didn't quite happen in this so there you go we're not there yet no on the same day if you didn't fancy Cobra you could have gone to see The Colour Purple very different experience very very different yeah, good film um, Colour Purple but very different experience is, yeah. very very different the Spielberg it's, it's, it's the first of Spielberg sort of step away from big event films really yeah, isn't it yeah Jaws is and the Jaws well, is after, not, think... that it's, not that it's called Jaws is <laughs> Yeah, I think it was this after, because this is after, but was this what he did straight after uh, Temple of Doom? Yeah, I think it's something that was, that was it's somewhere, it's somewhere in that realm, isn't it? Yeah. Because he did this, or, or was this following on Empire of the Sun? Yeah, it, it's in that he period, that, isn't it? Yeah. Always as well. Both great uh, films, I have to say. Cool of Purple is yeah, a really good film. It is good. Raw Deal, 6th of August. Shh. 
If you didn't have enough <laughs> machismo, you know, uh, oh, Hollywood dear. machismo in Cobra, six days later you could go watch Arnie in Raw Deal. Raw Deal is awful, though. It is. I mean, it, Cobra's it, bad, it, but Raw Deal is utter garbage. It is dog egg, yeah. It really is the bad. worst of the... Uh, I think it's the worst of the, the Schwarzenegger 80s Oh, it's canon. terrible. And that's, and that's got red heat in it. Terrible film, Raw that Deal. That list. It is bad. A few days later, on the 15th of August, you could go see Iron Eagle. <laughs> Uh, Another, with, a lot of these films came out in the 80s, didn't they? Hit cinemas. These kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, they were ca- canon the- films kind of catalog here. Well, uh, Iron Eagle sort of on the back of uh, Top Gun, isn't it? Yeah, same dealio um, now. Sort of thing. Then there was a film called Midnight Breaks. Now, I could only find something on this that said it was actually released in 1990, but okay. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Uh, however, at the end of the month, 29th of August, Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> Highland was actually a financial flop. Oh well, this is seven. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Losing seven million dollars at the box office cost nineteen million and made twelve. Well, yeah, so that does not surprise me. It's easy to think that it was a big hit because obviously it became a cut somehow, <laughs> and I am not understanding how. It not only became a cult hit, but spawned sequels and a TV series. I know. And then crossovers and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, video- and also we've got the oh, we've got the video game coming up. Oh, goodness, Lord help us. <laughs> but the it's just a really odd film, Highlander, because it, it isn't really a film, is it? It's a series of music video type editing and components and production values thrown into a film with such a loose plot of... Yes. No, which makes literally no sense in any capacity. And now the idea of there being a kind of a universal fight between sort of demigods that ends with one of them being the overall winner. Nothing wrong with that. That's actually pretty cool. But it all goes wrong from there, doesn't it? You know, and I haven't got time to list the things that are wrong with this film in, in, the, in, this, in this podcast. We'll be sat here next week going with hoarse voices going, and then Estevez then says to... Uh, you know, and we'd just be sat there with, with these stones going, and then the final, the Kurgan, then you know, and it's just, it's just a collection of sequences loosely stitched together with the most, I think, and you can correct me if you might agree or not agree, the most bizarre cast in a film, pretty much of the eighties. I'm not going to disagree on that one. It's a mess. It is. I mean, got a famous French actor playing a Scotsman. As weird as that sounds, and we've said it before, but that is stupid. Apparently, he, he was in vocal coaching for months. No surprise, really, with him being French, um, <laughs> that he would have trouble with some of the intricacies of a Scottish accent, really. And it, yeah. it, I mean, it didn't show in the slightest, did it? The film you could spot. <laughs> he was, you know, it was, he was pure flaw- Glaswegian, flawless Glaswegian <laughs> slash Highlands voice, you know. Especially where they went Dougal, you know, he said Dougal better than you know, most Frenchmen ever say Dougal. Um, and then bit, you know, slip over to Sean Connery, who plays an Egyptian yes. called Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Ra- well, as the yeah. Kurgan says, Ramirez. Every time he says it like that, it's like, I think it was in his contract. And so his accent isn't Egyptian. I'm not even sure what, it doesn't matter really. I think at a certain point, they just thought, hey, you are what you are, it doesn't matter. So you've got uh, the various Highlanders coming. Some of them are... Does it ever explain why some of them are immortal? Nope, not that I remember. That's, oh, that's fair. Anyway, and without going on and on and on about it, um, it culminates in a big battle, doesn't it, between... The, is it John Nash's name or something like that, isn't it? Or something, something like that. I, I, to be fair, I, I, I've not watched Highlander in years because last time I watched it, I realised it was crap. Well, I, I sadly watched it reasonably recently and I came <laughs> and to the it, same conclusion. I was like, why? Yeah, why it's, it's like the moment this? you're as a grown-up, you watch it and you go, this is, you know, this was quite good to 14-year-old, 15-year-old me watching it on video because it was very much 
that'll like it and that queen soundtrack and everything and it had a bit mm. of a feel to it it was a weird sort of underground thing and people getting their heads cut off and stuff like that and you're like yeah that's good yeah you watch it as an adult and you go no this is rubbish this is just utter crap well, yeah i mean um interesting you mentioned the soundtrack there the actual orchestral score <laughs> was michael Kamen. um and interestingly the British rock brand Marillion turned down the chance to record the soundtrack. Now, we can at least be grateful for some things, and that's one of them, because can yeah. you imagine Fish no. singing Who no. Wants to Live Forever? No. <laughs> no. Awful. It would be a wholly different experience, wouldn't it? And the opening, Masters of the Universe, is the track by Queen, which is opens the film, doesn't it? That's the first track in the film. Yeah. Here we are, born to be kings. That's, the ma- that's you know. And so it is just kind of a, periodically a Queen band video, really, without Queen in it. Highlander has the same amount of consonants, I believe, as the word lavender. So you could do the Marillion song. <laughs> Highlander's blue, <laughs> blue, dilly, dilly, dilly. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be, you know. And uh, even, if, even if amongst all of that crazy where you've got a, you know, a battle royale between the Scottish Highlanders, where some of them turn out to be immortal for some reason, and an Egyptian appears for no reason and trains the immortal Scotsman in the ways of the immortals with a samurai sword. It doesn't matter really, does it? Any of that makes no. no sense, but whatever. Then in the middle of all that, there's a really weird bit where he experiences something called the quickening which is never used or explained outside of the fact that he can run he can get into the mind of a deer i think it is or an animal and just run fast isn't that the uh, subtitle of the sequel it is but in this film in the quickening he never uses it for anything <laughs> so it's an entire sequence of music and build up and it's almost like a training montage where he learns you know oh well done highlander you've got the quickening and he's like <laughs> great i've got it never use it again Never use it. Pointless. <laughs> he trained him in stuff he didn't even need. If he did, you know, Kurgan busting was really the key thing. And the Kurgan, I have to say, which is played by that really big, ugly looking dude who's in quite a few, he's in a few films where he plays big, ugly looking dude, isn't he? He's in um, uh-huh. Starship Troopers and a couple of others. Can't his name. Yeah. Um, he's about the best thing in it, isn't he? The Kurgan kind of, ha- he plays it super camp, camps it up and kind of, and kitches it up and plays it sort of really over the top. Yeah. Um, and yes. sort of gets away with it because everyone else in the film is f- is as flat as a pancake, really. Um, so he's yeah. the only real interesting thing and in life in the film. Comes out with the best line, one-liners in it because he's at least understandable, whereas poor old... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Nash is just kind of comes out with really naff things. You know, he, he doesn't get lines like, Hi, I'm Candy. Of course you are. And things like that. And you know, I've got something to say. You know, all that kind of stuff that he comes out with and all those bits. Whereas, you know, John Nash, whatever his name is, is like, What are you doing, Ramirez? And just, no, anyway, <laughs> stupid rubbish. Avoid. <laughs> there you go. That's quite the month. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. There's your, uh, your TV and films for August 1986. You had Golden Girls. You had Through the, Through the Night TV, Red Triangle Films. You had loads of stuff uh, for your eyes only. And we had Cobra, Raw Deal and Highlander. A triple bill of action crapness. Um, <laughs> action crap. <laughs> that you could uh, entertain yourself with. Don't know, because it's just a waste of time. But, you know, they're, they're fun, I guess. Um, that's it. That's your uh, TV and film. We'll be back after this short word from our sponsor with the last set of games, some crap verts, charts, whatever. I don't know. You know the drill by now. We'll be back in a bit. Bye. A huge 
huge shout out to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks. So Dave's books are based on his screenplays that have won at loads of festivals. Whether the story is about a bumbling detective in the future full of robots, or a time-traveling vegan climate activist, or a space-faring fella who'll go too far for the women he loves, or even a coward who hits someone, then runs. There's something for everyone. Visit DavidHearnWriter.com to find out more. Dave's podcast pick is tied between Tau Seti, still not sure what happened, and Saboteur, specky graphics but fun. I can't make that decision for you, Dave. Right, welcome back to the last part for August uh, 1986. What we got going on here? We've got some more games, we've got a few here. So let's kick into them straight away. Um, and our first one is a, a disc-only based game. Got one to eight base games this month, a disc-only games, it's all going on. Um, this is Infiltrator. So Graham, tell us all about Infiltrator. Infiltrator is a big old game. There's a is a it's a chunky game. So it's mm-hmm. and that's and that's explains why it was 1495 and disc only. So it's big. So it's a bit of a combination of kind of helicopter sim and sort of third person hide not say hide and seek, but find find the thing game and amongst these kind of bases. Your character is called, uh, I think it's Johnny McGibbets, isn't it, on this one, or something like that? Yes, something like that, yeah. Um, and so you're a pilot-turned-neurosurgeon, or a pilot-slash-neurosurgeon, um, and you've got a mission against the, I want to say, it's just a baddie, evil leader, mad leader, bad leader, I can't remember now. I did write it down, but I can't remember. So anyway, so the idea is you've got to fly your helicopter behind enemy lines in certain parts of the levels of the game. You can, sort of, there's like an espionage part to the game and a sort of a simulator part, so... During the helicopter bits, which I think are the... I'm not sure which order they come in. I think it's the first, and I'm not sure where it comes off that. I didn't get so far into it to get that far, but the first mission was a flight helicopter mission. Then you've got to take off, so you got to, and then program your, your uh, computer to sort of find the landing area. On the way, you can sort of... You meet other airplanes and things and en route, and you can sort of decide whether they're friend or foe, and you can get involved in firefights and sort of... So there's some flight simulatory stuff. And then the idea is that you kind of try and navigate your way around um, using your helicopter to identify the mission bases. And when you land, find a base, you can land at the base. And then it changes to a slightly different perspective. So from that moment forth, you're kind of a player running around a base, searching through different parts of multi-route and the buildings, the buildings that are in this base to try and find sort of mission cards and security cards and secret papers you have to sort of trick um, the guards into letting you into certain areas so there's a bit of it's a bit of a sort of a, a spy game really and it actually sort of felt a little bit like a I suppose the modern day equivalent would be a Tom Clancy type game um, where mm-hmm. you've got kind of you know a whole series of missions and complexity bound around sort of fixed game types um, so in these missions and this is as far as I got with it I was flew the helicopter and utilized the cop the, its keyboard and joystick controlled managed to somehow fluke my way to a landing site in London and then I was able to then sort of scoot around I was very quickly outed by the local guards in the area so I didn't last long I tried to knock them out with some gas grenades that I found but it the whole thing went badly wrong I'm not known for my amazing ability at stealth type missions in games <laughs> like this so getting around a base without making a brouhaha is kind of difficult so the some of the levels later down the line i think have got timers in and there's extra characters and there's actually quite a complex plot involved in all of this because you've got to complete all the grand missions and then get past the helicopter and fly back and do all of those stuff and it gets more difficult more complicated and there's even like passcodes that you need to have picked up and from the various different buildings you've searched so it's it is a very much a game of you are a person infiltrating 
this world using these different techniques. And graphically, it's actually pretty nice looking. I thought that from a graphics perspective, it's really pushing some of the C64. There's a lot of game in here in terms of its, you know, the, sim the simulator such as it is, is quite nice looking. The graphics on the game when you're running around the bases are actually pretty good and the way it works is nice and there's a good flow and it's it, i didn't find the controls particularly difficult there's plenty to go at and it's quite an intriguing story it's quite hard um, to get into from not playing this kind of game to going back into something like this and i think to get into the headspace of this game would take a little bit longer than i had time to give it um, but i actually found it to be quite a good game i never actually had this on disc when i had a disc drive way back then and i think i had a a pirated version on disc which was crapped by i can't remember which group but i don't remember it working fully i remember getting so far into it and then and hitting some kind of disc-based error so I, I don't think i've ever got much further in this game than i got when i played it even at the, for this podcast so nice looking good graphics gameplay programmed really well nice featured good idea for an infiltrator game saboteur take note and <laughs> um, some nice touches in the sounds and stuff it was a quite a nice package it felt like 1495s worth of game, I have to say, even at this kind of this end that I'm playing it at now. But um, that was my experience with it. But what did you think? I'd recommend it. People go and try it. What did you think? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same. I mean, I'm going to sort of come up from a slightly different angle. I, I think um, it's not so much the Tom Clancy stuff. This feels more like um, a sort of precursor to Metal Gear Solid um, and those kind of games. Okay, okay. I've not, I don't have a lot of experience with them, so I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take the word for that. I mean, it's. I mean, especially something like Metal Gear Solid Five, where you basically have to. It's a big open world, and you travel to places, mostly on your horse, and then you there's a place you've got to stealth in. And this is a kind of early precursor. Even the original Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear that was on the MSX. I can see the sort of Splinter Cell link as well. I mean, it's just you know, it's an early stealth game. However, just take it at a different angle. This to me replaced the mission structure a little bit, as in what you were doing, flying in stealthing into a base, having to get some stuff out and get out the other side. This could have been Rambo. Yes, yeah, very much so, yeah. It is very... And remember when yes, I said about yeah. in Rambo, if you wanted to... This, this to me, is the game that I wanted Rambo to be. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, that more stealthy going in, trying to do stuff, not having to blow everything up. And Rambo was obviously much more arcadey. Ended up being it. But this. I mean, you even called Johnny. You are called Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. You could say that's an all American name, but um, you know, uh, there's 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 illusions here that this is probably being made before. But I don't I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's an argument here that this could have been the Ram is a Rambo game that never was. Um, it's programmed by Chris Gray, isn't it? Whose previous game uh, was Whirly Nerd. Oh God, yeah, it was. Yeah, and also according to Lemon sixty four, looking at the moment, was also the original idea for Boulder Dash. Uh, oh, for the other guy that. went off and made it. So the other guy, I think, took the original idea and, and made it. But he's he's down as one of the creators of Boulder Dash. So the guy's got some pedigree here. I mean, well, you know, it was a weird thing, but Boulder Dash especially. So he's you know this it doesn't do much, but he does these kind of games. I found this just too hard. I couldn't get it past the first section. So I couldn't get. I couldn't. I, I followed you. You kindly sent the. Uh, how to start, <laughs> how to get going. Yes, yeah, because the documentation, you do the, seri yeah. the series of checks to get up and running. And I could get it, and I'd get it flying, yeah. and I could get moving, and I could get into the air. And, I, and uh, there was one point where I, I managed to sort of bluff my way through a meeting or didn't, and then I and then the next one I didn't, and I just got immediately shot shot down, and I was dead. And I had a couple of goes, and it just kept happening. And I was like, you know what? I'd, I, I'd like to get further, but this just feels, it feels to me like, I really wanted to get into this and play more of it, and maybe I will do. I maybe you know, but I feel that that opening sequence, that flight sequence, is just a bit too hard. It's just a bit too punishing. Yeah, you know, don't make it, especially on mission one. 
let me just kind of fly to the base. You know, just just uh, allow me to get used to the flight controls. Maybe someone comes past and, you you know, it's obvious. Don't make me have to go through dogfighting. Make that as you progress through the harder missions. Let it build up. Don't immediately kill me. It's mm-hmm. annoying. So that's something that modern games would have done. And old style games maybe probably wouldn't have done, but it's something that could have been done. It, it feels like it wants to be sort of part sim and part arcade. It's like somewhere in the middle, but it's just leaning a bit too far in the sim direction, and, and it just lost me a bit as a player. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't want all those complex controls and all this stuff. It's like just let me shoot stuff or don't. Like you said, visually it's very nice. It's fast. I just think you know, for, for me, it's a, it's a Rambo license looking to happen. And, that, and yeah. that, that would have, I would have loved that. I think that would have been, would have been great. You know, if you, if you didn't fly the helicopter, but it, or you, you could change it around a bit and you were parachuting out and then you're stealthing into the base. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to play more of it. And I think, I think I might go back to it. There's a nice weird, there's a strange weird sort of sense of humor to it as well, um, which is kind of odd. And the, the sort of static visuals are nice. I like the, I like the sort of weird, um, almost Airwolf-esque design of the uh, helicopter. Yeah, very much so. Very influenced um, by that, I thought. And, and things like that. There's, there's a lot of game here. And like you said, there is a lot of game. Um, I just feel it's just, I don't know. It, it's like, to me, it's just it's it, it's just a little bit too hard in the opening section. And that just is a bit too much punishing rather than, so you don't feel invited. And it's like, nope, here's your mountain to climb. And I, I feel that, you know, games have got better at onboarding people. And this feels very hard to, to delve into. So I haven't got that much more to say about it. Because like I said, I just kept getting shot, shot down and blown up. And then mm. you get that comedy scene where there's just your legs sticking out of the wreckage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see why Zap liked it. If they were getting into it and they pushed through. I mean, they say it gets worse as it goes on as well. They say the visuals get worse. And so it'd be interesting to see it. And I, I don't know. I mean, some of the screenshots I've seen suddenly looked a bit like Whirly Nerd, some of the characters in the base. Yeah, it, they do get a little bit kind of jaunty, to say the least. <laughs> Which is kind of a bit at odds with the, the tone. Yeah, I, I did find that as weird as well. The tone was a bit all over the place. Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure whether it's, like I said, it wants to be sim and it wants to be arcade. Is this a, a war sim, you know, realistic sim, but then you've got this Johnny blah, 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 over the top and all this kind of, yeah. you know, hoorah. And, and it, what what is this? Tonally, it's a bit mixed up. That's that's what I got from it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, no, same. I yeah, Zap obviously likes it, isn't it? 92%. Yeah, they give it a good old reviewing. And that's fair yeah. enough. You know, there's, there's plenty to go at with this and it's a big old game. But I think you're right. I think thematically, it's over time in the game, it starts to lose its infiltratoriness and its sab- its spyness and start to head into sort of silly territory. When you get, I mean, if there's, you can go to um, c64endings.co.uk if you really want to see what the final screens are like for this game, if you want to avoid um, playing it and just don't expect greatness when you go there. You know, <laughs> don't expect that. I think was it the, was it Pen, Gary Penn noted that he thinks the uh, developer got bored making it. Yeah, and I think that's actually very true. It's it's definitely true that we've all had that feeling as you get towards the end of a project and you just want it done. Yep, and oh you're, like, God, and you're yes. like, oh God, that'll do. That'll do. Get out the door. Absolutely. Yeah, we've all been there. All right. So yeah, it's infiltrate. I, I, yeah, I'd like to play it more. I'd like it if it was Rambo. So, more infiltration on the way in our next title, which scores a bang on 50% in the magazine. It's 10 quid. And that game is Nexus. Mm. Supposedly a big deal at the time. Um, I have no idea this, why. But 
No, I, I, but I don't really remember much about it as well. Um, mm. It came in that, I suppose, I remember it being on the software shelves and it coming in that weird grey yeah, case. plastic case, big long, yeah, bigger case, wasn't it? Yeah, it was kind of a bit strange. So there's some interesting things in this. And, and so the, the whole point of this is you, uh, you've got to infiltrate an underground base um, and there are, you've got to collect 32 rumours about secret Colombian drugs. That's right, drug barrels, yeah. Drug Baron, and and so what this entails is wandering through a narrow strip of the screen through corridors and exploring rooms and making contact with people yeah. in the building for information. Like I said, there are some interesting ideas here. The so when you ever meet somebody, when another character is on screen, you kind of get a, a digitized face you appearing do. in the in the bottom, which is quite quite interesting. It gives you a bit more character because the, the sprites themselves are all very similar. Just everybody's got a different jumpsuit on, different colored jumpsuit. So having their faces appear below and it being digitized and colored digitized as well, mm. they're not terrible. They're actually okay. Yeah, they're kind um, of all right. Yeah. yeah, they're recognizable. And so you get to know these people. You can log onto a computer at one point and skip your way through them all. That's actually quite clever, I thought. I thought I quite liked that. So presentationally, this is doing things that a lot of games at this point are not doing. They're maybe thinking about it like you. The game does. The game starts with you jet skiing. Like it's almost like you know, it's a cutscene. Mm. You jet skiing into an underground base. So and and you get this mission brief as you're going in, explaining it as you're as you're going in. So you you essentially you're getting a like a an opening cutscene. We don't normally yeah. see this sort of thing. No, we don't. And then you, your first thing is to make contact with the with the woman who's waiting you, and then she's like, "Oh, follow me. I'll show you around." Again, this is something that you won't see in games for quite some time you know they all follow me i'll show you what to do and so that's um would become a staple of games later on but this this is doing it back then there's there's some interesting bits in this the problem is is that it's all hung around a game that's just very very dull and bland and boring to play you just wander like i said you've got about probably less than a third of the screen to play in Yep. So it's not even doing that split the screen into thirds to keep the scrolling down because it doesn't scroll. What it does is you're going to have to try and explain to me because I didn't quite understand the flicky nature of the, the the screen. Sometimes it would flick and I'd be in the middle. Sometimes it flick and, and then it would flick and I'm on the left. And it was it was buggy this game. It, it had bugs in it, no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, the, the main sprites are okay. I don't mind them too much. The animation's quite nice. I did actually quite like the fact that you jump like a normal human being and you don't somersault like every other sort of superhero character we seem to be controlling these days so at least the jumping was kind of normal it kind of reminded me sitting somewhere in between and this is a, a, a quite a wide thingy but i think you'll see what i'm saying is v and impossible mission there's a sense of the v the sort of levels and the lifts and the moving up and down so like an impossible mission and going around and searching through rooms and things and bit like that and and it just was but it didn't it just didn't really sort of work it just you know it was more of the v end for the scale for enjoyment mm. it felt really dull and just a bit boring and, and yeah. like uh, like it wasn't finished i think this just it lacks its final polish and i think in the end there's an idea here that when it comes down to it it's just another collectathon it's just wander from room to room searching for stuff and finding stuff yeah wrapped up wrapped up in some fancy digitized trousers yeah that's what i got from nexus what about you well, I didn't get much more out of it, I have to say. I felt that it was um, a cluttered, sort of, hard to distinguish interface and graphics. On the surface of it, it looked like there was quite an intriguing game in there. As you said, you've got to navigate round. Uh, I found myself wandering around following people around a lot in this game, where they said, follow me, then I followed them and followed them, and then they just stopped in the tracks. And I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do from there on in because it said, do I carry on following? Do I just stand here and wait? Does something supposed to happen? Mm. Then I would try and navigate my way into the interface because this is kind of this kind of an i want to say icon control but not icon so much as a there's a menu that you can bring up and control things with isn't there so you can search and 
do yeah. stuff with it. Mm-hmm. I just found it was a, that even that was a bit complex to get to do the things I wanted in any meaningful way. And I wasn't sure that when I did anything, it really had any impact or did anything. So I just kind of slowly meandered my way around with the kind of blippy, bloppy, forgettable music going off in the background and just didn't have a lot of fun navigating because the controls felt weird and it felt too slow. The play area was kind of an odd corridor, wasn't it? So scrolling with the bottom part where the interface lurked. I just found it not very engaging and interesting. I think there's lots of ideas and fancy packaging, but the game in amongst of that got lost somewhere in the development. And I think it was just put out more than finished. And because of that, I think it was lots of fancy pants, but not much really there. Mm. So I have a feeling this was probably a much bigger and better game, but was was either finished too early or released too early or was re- remained relatively unfinished and just put out. I think it was delayed or there was some, I remember there being some brouhaha around Nexus. I wasn't sure if there was lots of big statements about its kind of gameplay and stuff made around the time and it was this big mm. deal. And Well, I think there was there, there was reviews of preview copies um, and very, very high scoring reviews and stuff that were a bit tenuous. And I think that Zap make a point of saying something about that and the fact that the version that they ended up with isn't really much more advanced than the demo that they got. So I don't think... I think a lot of this is just just remained as we is. It wasn't really given the polish and finish that deserved. So 50% is about right. It seems a shame because I suspect a lot went into the marketing and thought behind the packaging and everything for this game. But I have a feeling that was all done to sell the game before you got mm, to the game. Yeah. And then when you actually got the game, it was kind of forgettable. So sad, really. Yeah. Lots of infiltration going on at the moment. We infiltration lots and lots of complex menus brought up by buttons and things, which is not going to change much for the next game. No, well, I'll take your word for that. So, yeah, there you go. Nexus, bit bland, bit boring. Bland. So our next game um, is Time Tracks. And I'll just say at the start here, uh, I like the music, but it wouldn't work. I couldn't get this working. It wouldn't work. I don't know why it wouldn't just, I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. It wouldn't, just wouldn't run. So all I had, I can say that the music was good, but beyond that, I have no idea. So this is all, all over to you on this one. Ta- time tracks. Tell us about time tracks. You can tell me about it. Cause I don't know about it. My initial thought when it loaded up and I started, the game started was had there been some kind of armed invasion in the house of the little computer person? Because it just looked like, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, there was suddenly some kind of house siege with armed people running around inside and, I was a small little computer to because the graphics are similar, aren't they, to that little computer people type graphic? They are, so yes. Detailed but small, medium res kind of miniatures sprites and detailed backdrops and things. I, I in fact, actually a little bit too busy, um, but I'll come to that in a moment. So the idea of the game is that the fabric of time has been damaged. And there's some evil machinations of whatever have opened up these portals. And each one is guarded by a powerful force. And you've got to return, go and find these specific objects and return them to these portals so you can seal them. And in doing that, each time you hand over one of these special objects back in the portal, they give you a part of the spell, the final spell. And when you get the final spell, you've, you've completed the game. So it's all kind of, it's a side view of graphics. So the top half of the screen is kind of a side view. Now, just think little computer people for the top half, because that's kind of the layout, kind of a multi-layered platform with detailed kind of background objects like fridges and freezers and kitchens. And it's just a bit like that. And you navigate this by running about with a joystick. 
And then you actually have an icon-based thing that takes up to the bottom half of the screen. It's kind of icons, objects you pick up, um, health indication, map view, that kind of view. And so you can run around and you, you start, start in your living room, so it's definitely in your house, searching for objects, a bit like sort of Mission Impossible. Impossible Mission? I never get it right, is it? Mission Impossible, Impossible Mission. Impossible Mission. So it's a bit like Impossible Mission in the sense that you're searching <laughs> through your house to find objects and things. There's ladders and things you can climb up and down. The henchmen come in and they sort of, you've got to, you can either try and avoid them or you can shoot them if you've got bullets to do that um, or you can bring up your menu. What I found was that as I played through the game, I could pick up objects and I could wander around. But when it came to utilizing the menu, the icon menu, it just didn't seem to work properly. So it brought up the menu and I couldn't seem to get it to get off that menu properly or when I wanted it to. So it, by pure chance, it would go back to the game and I was able to move the character around again. But sometimes it didn't do that. And I would end up very quickly because you have like a health meter and I would end up, once they run into you, they drain a bit of your life force. And I would end up very quickly dead and have to restart the game and try again. And I was doing that. And I'd never got off that opening screen, I have to say. I didn't get very far into the game at all. I certainly didn't get to the point where I was picking up and opening and closing portals or anything like. I could barely open the fridge door in the game and try and find anything. <laughs> because I just found that the controls just were lacking in this. It just didn't have that kind of gameplay that was really interesting. So it felt, it felt a bit like Nexus, actually. Similar kind of notion and problems that nexus had there's probably a lot of game in there but it's more icon driven stuff more menu driven options really i didn't like the music i thought it was bloody annoying and it's and the game seemed impossible to navigate because of its menus and icons that didn't for me work properly which meant that i wasn't really sure how things would function and how i could get them to work in a context that made sense so i think there's probably a good game buried in there with time tracks it got 80 percent in zap and it was a full price game at 995 I think there's probably the makings a bit like Nexus. There's probably lots of good ideas, maybe some good game in there. Some of the reviews I read and some of the reception online rate this game very highly. And it all, all of them, without exception, say that you've got to take your time to get past the first bit. Once you get past the first bit and you get into it and you get used to using the navigation things, it actually becomes a much better game. I just struggled to get to that point because I couldn't really control it. So in that sense, Time Tracks is probably great but I'll never know because I couldn't really get that far into it. So that was time tracks. And if you didn't get to play it, then probably I've just saved you some time because uh, I don't think you would have enjoyed it. <laughs> you think it's not my kind of game. I d if you didn't like Nexus, you're not going to like time tracks. I don't think um, right, because it's just, enough. it's just, it's almost kind of a better drawn version of a, a similar story, really similar idea. So, right. Okay. Well, I mean, I will try at some point and try and get it working and maybe we can just add, add, add a bit in, but yeah, we don't know. Anyway, so that's time tracks. Our last game, maybe our last game, I don't know whether we can, 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 we've got another one after this, is Saboteur. So, Saboteur. All right. So, Saboteur is a well-loved title, as far as I'm aware. There are a lot of people who rate Saboteur quite highly. I'm not one of them. So we'll just get that out of the way first of all, okay? It's a Spectrum game. This is a flick screen Spectrum Ninja-a-thon where you are infiltrating. There's more infiltration going on. You've got to infiltrate a fortress for fortune and glory by kicking down bad guys and taking down dogs. And everyone you take down, you get money for. The whole point of the game is to get more money. You've got to collect. Uh, there's a disc to collect and you've got to prime a bomb before finding a helicopter and jetting off. Doing all that gains you big spondulis. Um And then you can... I don't know what you're supposed to do with that afterwards. You've got lots of money. I don't know. What does a ninja do with lots of money? Buy more ninja suits. <laughs> 
Do you reckon they smell? Yes. So they probably buy <laughs> several and new tabby boots. So, do you, so they would probably need to, wouldn't they? Because the whole point of being a ninja is not being seen. But if you yeah. could smell them coming. Well, yeah, you want it to smell a bit dirty like your environment. The last thing you need is the provocative smell of Sainsbury's <laughs> Nouveau drifting across the, the room you're trying to infiltrate. But, How did you know I was coming? I could I could smell your purcell. Do you use aerial pods and aerial pods? There's a ninja in this room. Close all yeah, the doors, there's a ninja. <laughs> they should have... So, yeah, they should have a... You know, so you've got la- lavender flavour... So ground dirt and stealth flavour. Yeah, yeah, it's like ninja, ninja sort of uh, fragrances. <laughs> It'd be dead funny that, that that awful advert where they're rolling in the bed, going, "Ah, oh, what is it? I need to know." And then there's just there's one where there's no one rolling in it, and it's just a ninja, <laughs> you can't see like, him. I like the idea. Or you just of get the, sliced to bits with a ninja. The ninja so. going to his infiltration, you know, toolkit. Opening up a box and there being different like room fragrance, office fragrance, kennel fragrance, you know, and he has to just spray the what are you infiltrating? Oh, I've got to break into a science lab. Well, there's the science lab spray. You'll blend in perfectly. It smells like figgy pudding. Yeah, that's the Christmas fragrance. You got the wrong one, you idiot. Now you're gonna to have to infiltrate well, it, a Christmas. Well, you see that. I mean, if the, the the sense of smell. I mean, we've got quite a good sense of smell. But if a place is guarded by dogs, theirs is way good. Yeah, yeah it's way better than ours. So a ninja going in is going to get sniffed out in no time. You're right. Yeah. And call me old fashioned, you know. And I'm, you know, and I don't mean to be mean about saboteur again, which I loathe. Um, but um, <laughs> ninjas don't, as far as I'm aware, enter usually through a main entrance, like a back door or a warehouse entrance or anything like that they tend to sneak in through that you know secret ways because you know i mean i could be wrong maybe they don't but you know my knowledge of ninjas does not extend in any great capacity to how they infiltrate buildings i would just imagine that anyone who's trying to sneak into somewhere is less likely to run into the main warehouse entrance from the dock more likely to sneak in from a window that's open or maybe do it that way I don't, just, it's just me I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, i'm not teaching ninjas to suck eggs at all no that smell better anyway <laughs> so we've got this nice smelling ninja who's going down and he and this is the other thing as well since when do ninjas care about money really they're doing they don't. they're not supposed to be like working soldiers for hire i thought well mercenaries well they're supposed they to be you know, assassins for hire aren't they but i don't know they do assassins for hire, but they don't you don't like and why is every person you kill worth money this game makes mm, no sense. No. So this was a bit, I think, a pretty big deal on the Spectrum. It's been converted. It's out recently, isn't it? I think it came out recently yeah, on the yeah, Switch did, and stuff did, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. There's been a recent conversion. I don't know why. I don't. I don't understand the love for it. You, the, the main sprite's quite nice. It's quite big and well animated. But, but I'd never liked it. I never liked the look of it. It looks like a Spectrum game. I don't mm. like the garish look. I don't like the garish colours. The stupid O's in the background for no. walls. Nothing's clear. I don't know whether I'm dropping down between a level. Or can run off the side of a screen. Yeah. I don't like the fact that I have to be pixely perfect lined up with a ladder to control it. Or oh, when I get up God, to one, yeah. if I push you up and I'm running, I jump rather than go up it. And then I jump into a dog. Or sometimes I will get to the top of a ladder and get off and then I'll do a flying kick and kick someone. And sometimes I'll just jump. There doesn't seem to be any kind of logic or anything to any of this game. I don't like the controls. I don't like it. It just It's, just, it's never gelled with me. No. You know aerial gel pod <laughs> it's just never has i just can't I, I don't like it i don't like saboteur i think it's it's got 75 percent. they really liked it for some reason i just think it's a just a pointless dull style of a substance yep bit of a run around in various garishly colored screens yep <laughs> i don't know you you loathe it as well dear no i've never liked it and i never liked it even on i've never liked any format of this game i've come across ever um, and I think partly because I had like mates back then who had Sinclair Spectrums who just banged on about this game endlessly. On and on and on about Saboteur. It's an amazing game. It's so good. It's nothing like it on the Commodore 64. 
And blah, 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 blah. I was like, you know what? That's because nobody's made crap games like this. That's why. <laughs> but they went on and on about it. And then one mate in particular, who, for reasons I won't go into now, was very interested in the whole idea of ninjas to the point when he, you know, borderline became one. Um, he would just rave about this game all the time. And, you know, and for him, you know, the idea of sneaking and infiltration and running around, Nuvon smell aside and the logic of all the game aside, it, you know, for him it was... It fed into a kind of thing at the time, which also was kind of, if you think about the time that this came out, it's also around about the way the Tiger Time, the books, you know, the uh, the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Avenger and Where the Tiger and all of those series of books came out, which all featured ninjas doing complex, you know, ninjury stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of fed into that kind of thing. And, and as we progress into 1987, later down the line, of course, there's more ninja games to come. But... This kind of taps into that vibe. So I think that's probably why I loathe it because I heard so much about the damn thing and I actually think it's borderline, it's rubbish. I don't like anything about it. If for this exact same reasons you don't, I think the graphics are inept. The main character's arguably well-drawn, but it's just a silhouette, really. Backgrounds make no sense. It feels like a Spectrum game on a, cap- on a much more capable machine. The really stupid sound effects as well, and such as they are. Pixel-perfect logic, stupid things like the dogs seem, you know, having dogs in there that just run backwards and forwards and don't chase you or don't... And it's just naff. It's just naff, stupid game logic that annoyed me. I never enjoyed anything about it. And when I revisited it, I remembered why. It, it It's unbelievable that this game still has people out there that really love it. And I know it does, but I'm not one of them. I've never liked it. I've never rated it. I thought it was distinctly boring. And, and I've seen the ending of the game as well. I'm not going to spoil it for those people that want to rush out and you know, play Saboteur, but the ending is nothing to write home about either. Just dull. A dull, stupid game. Um, Was this a Durell game? They did a sequel, didn't they, as well? So there is a sequel to this, yeah. So um, Durell, Saboteur, I'm going to give that one a miss, thanks. Uh, Got a good rating in Zap. God knows how, but it did, but there you go. Rating's just meaningless nowadays for them, so. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I'm not going to be playing that game anytime soon again, that's for sure. No, it's not going to be on my go-back-to list, that's for certain. Right, I think that's it. Unless you want to cover, there's one other game that is in this uh, issue. So this is Murder on the Mississippi. I, I couldn't get a copy to, to work at this point. But uh, just to, I, I didn't play it. The reason I didn't play it is just for full disclosure, I've been, I've been in the process of moving house over the last, what feels like forever with issues mm. and everything that's been going on. And so it's been a bit of a squeeze to try and get all the games we've covered in, in the period of moving house and getting it recorded and, and pushing it in. I just didn't get chance to hit Murder on the Mississippi. It looked quite a big game that I really need to give a bit of time yes. to and I just simply didn't have it. Did you Did you play it? Did you want to did. speak about it all? So if you want to speak about it, we'll, we'll put it in here. Yeah, I di- I'll just give it a little bit of legs because it's actually quite an important game and it's quite good. It's a detective story, the Murder on the Mississippi, as you might guess from the title. You play Sir Charles Foxworth and you've got a sidekick. It's basically Sherlock Holmes and he's Watson, really. Um, so you're, I think Sir Charles Foxworth, and I think your servant is called either Watson or Regis. I can't remember, but either way, it's the same deal. And obviously there's been a murder and you are essentially walking around the ship that you're on. You're on a ship, I think. I think it's called the Delta. I want to say the Delta, but it's you're on board a ship sailing to um, St. Louis from New Orleans. And so you've got that amount of time to try and solve the case. And you do that by wandering around the decks of the ship, uh, the upper decks, talking to different characters, interacting with objects, getting clues and making notes, just sort of trying to figure out over that period who the murderer is. A bit like, a bit like a interactive Cluedo, really. And then trying to catch that person before you actually land because if you haven't caught the person before you get to 
St. Louis, they escape and then you don't solve the game. So you, you can still decide who you think the murderer is, but they actually get away. So the game the game looks and plays like a later LucasArts game. So it's got that oh, right, kind okay. of LucasArts vibe. So mm-hmm. you control the, you've got the, your player, the main player, and you control it by moving left and right with the joystick. You work going in, in and out of different rooms. You then can bring up a pop-up menu where you can pick up, push, talk to. It's very similar to Kraken and, and later down the line, of course, um, Monkey Island and things like that. And it's actually pretty good. There's a lot to it. You've got to collect and the puzzles aren't easy to solve either. And you've got to try and make sense of it. You can't just, you can't accuse characters, but if you get that wrong, you get a different ending. There's four different endings for the game, believe it or not. Um, so there's variations. One where you don't actually save anybody or solve the crime. There's others where you get it right. There's ones where you might accuse the wrong person and then that can all go horribly wrong. So it's actually quite a good little hood, on it? I found sometimes the clues in the game are a little bit vague. So there's, and it's something that is kind of a it's kind of a scum issue that other games of this type suffered from a similar problem as well, that sometimes it took a bit of lateral backstep thinking to piece together the component parts of the puzzle for it to make sense. So Zappa Kraken was famous for doing that because it had some really arbitrary things. You know, if you didn't know to pick up the cracker thing at this particular point, when you needed it six hours into the game, you didn't have it. And so, and stuff like that. So that can happen here to some extent as well. Um, so you can quickly come to the wrong conclusion based on the evidence. And then it, even though it kind of all points to that, you think, how is that not the right thing? So the graphics are kind of blocky, but in that kind of scum kind of way, mm-hmm. it feels like a LucasArts game. Um, and I quite enjoyed playing it. It is a little bit blocky and quite brown, um, but there's some amazing ideas in there and it actually controls pretty well. So I hadn't actually played it before this at all. It was a game that I'd never come across. So it really surprised me about what it was. And when I saw it and I'm like, and I thought to myself, actually, this, it really is proto LucasArts, this, this proto Maniac Mansion and that kind of thing. So it's, a, I think it's an important game for people to play because it is those things. It is very tough though. It is a tough nut to crack in terms of trying to piece together the clues because they are quite, they're not, it's not even that they're immediately obvious. They're actually very difficult sometimes to, to make sense of. And you think, actually, I wouldn't have ever come to that conclusion, but okay. So... It's a good game. It got quite a nice score in Zap, I think. Uh, they gave it, I think, I don't know, what did they give, what game, what the score did they give it? 80, 89%. So 89, it's a disc-only game. I think maybe they beat it down a little bit because it's quite expensive and it is over a finite time space. So it's, and there is game variation. So you could go back and play it slightly differently and get a, you know, and it might be a different murder. So there is a little bit of that, but the endings are the endings are the endings. So once you've seen all four of those, you know, you kind of, you've kind of done it. And it is all done in one sitting, really, of course. So, you know, and you, it's not so much that you die, but there are ways that the game could sort of go wrong and you have to restart and stuff like that. So it's a bit punishing, maybe, in that respect. Maybe that's why they gave it a slightly lower score. I just don't think sometimes these, some of these games come along like that. A bit like Law of the West and a few other games, when they're so completely different to anything else that mm. they don't quite know how to score them. Because this, you know, if you put this alongside Maniac Mansion and some of those other games, it wouldn't look out of place, necessarily. Not quite as good, but it would. It should score as highly as those in terms of where it's at. But at this particular state, um, the icon menu system isn't quite right yet. It's nearly there, but not quite. The speech, because you have to obviously ask questions and some of the logic behind the questions that you ask doesn't quite work yet. So it feels a little bit like sometimes you can be talking to somebody and sometimes it can just end really quickly and, and you've got to remember everything. So you've got to write these stuff down and take notes and stuff. So I think maybe they... Maybe they were punishing it a bit for that. But um, I thought it was actually a really interesting game and quite good. So 
if you do get an opportunity to play aid i would definitely try and find a way I, I think i put a working version in there unless you tried that and it didn't work but when you get a minute actually when you've got time i know it's moving house is a nightmare so when mm-hmm. you've actually got settled in and some time and you've got a, maybe an hour or two to spare, I would definitely recommend um, powering that up and having a go because it is, I think, yeah. quite an important and interesting game. I do want to play it. So what, what I think I'll do is just so, you know, I think what I'll do is I'll actually will play it and then I'll just record some thoughts and you can just... So we're going to insert my thoughts probably here. So I tried to get this going, um, but I couldn't get it running. So obviously I said I would try, and for this insert, I gave it a go, but I couldn't, so I gave it a quick look. I gave a watch on YouTube, and I seem to probably look like Graham was spot on the money there. This does look like an early prototype version of a Lucas um, art uh, game, the Scum Engine type thing, so you think like Maniac Mansion. And then down the line, um, uh, Monkey Island and things like that. It does look like something I would probably enjoy. The graphics look quite nice. It looks quite characterful and the writing's quite funny. Um, just a shame I couldn't get it running. So um, maybe one day in the future I will and I can give a better, more balanced opinion. But as of right now, you'll just have to rely on Graham's learned words. There you go. They were great thoughts. Well done. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, Best thoughts yeah. ever. Sounds like I quite enjoyed it. Mm. Or maybe I didn't. I don't well, know. Maybe you didn't. Anyway, we don't know. We don't but, know. Uh, so right about that saddle, though. <laughs> Absolutely. And if I, if I don't actually play it, then there's just a strange blank bit there. I'll put some music in there. Yeah, a bit of Spanish flea. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, something like that. Right, that's it. So there we go. That's Murder on the Mississippi. That's all our games. Okay, so we've looked at quite a few games there, haven't we? We've looked at quite a lot of stuff. Before we move on to, we have got Return of the Crapverse. We've got a couple more. Every now and again, there's a couple pop up. Um, before we do, we looked at Tausetti, Icups, Olo 1 and Olo 2, Legend of the Amazon Women. We looked at Infiltrator, Nexus, Time Tracks, Saboteur, Murder on the Mississippi, and obviously loads of films as well. So that's your games that we covered. Uh, we'll probably pick some from this issue in, in a bit, but let's have a quick look at a couple of crap verts. So the first one, if you can see that. I can see it. Take up the challenge. <laughs> now, it's a boring advert. Um, Lots of text this, this in ver- there, isn't there? Virgin- yeah, well, you got to read the text. The te- I'll read it out to you. It's Virgin Atlantic Challenge Game. In the summer of 1986, the crew of Virgin Atlantic Challenger once again attempt to win the coveted blue... Uh, ribboned title for Britain by crossing the Atlantic Ocean in the record time of three days and ten hours. Mm. Virgin Games brings you the Virgin Atlantic Challenge game. This arcade game is a fun simulation of Richard Branson's part in this exciting and dangerous event. Niche. You must guide Richard at breakneck speed from one piece of equipment to another to keep the boat on course and in good time and take vital money-making or breaking decisions that are telex to him from all parts of the Virgin Empire. What? Now, if that doesn't sell a game to you, I don't know what does. So this is less a boat race simulation and more a Richard Branson simulator. <laughs> yeah. Which but is a kind of weird. Of the Virgin Atlantic. It's essentially, it's a, it's a sales pitch for him going across there and, and you making him money as he as he gets telex stuff. It was, you know, and you, you, it's just, and it's such a boring advert, you know. Yeah, and is that is that boat that they're in, is that the... Uh, 
they've yes that's the, the boat, atlantic yeah, challenger I is it so because it believe so yeah because that it looks like a fast boat doesn't it so i mean it's gonna be he's got across across the atlantic in three days and ten hours mm, so he's gonna be going. fast mm. but it's just the fact that you, you've got a <laughs> a fun simulation of richard branson <laughs> I know, it's, the, it's the branson simulator in fact the weirdly the look of the advert because it says take up the challenge in a really nice scripted font actually i quite like that although it looks like two different fonts but it's a nice scripted font at the top and then it all just goes downhill from after that doesn't it lots of boring text a really boring looking box with a picture of a boat on it <laughs> but i like the bit at the bottom the cutout bit Please rush me my copy. Yeah, I know. Rush of me my copy Atlantic of the Challenge game. Yeah, right. Who's nah, gonna? Sorry, mate. No one ever filled that in, did they? Who's gonna cut that out and send that? F? No. Eight ninety-five for that for Richard Branson to me. I imagine the game is just a picture of him surrounded by <laughs> little icons, and it says, you know, turn left, turn boat right. You know, buy, <laughs> you know, sit, buy shares in. You know, <laughs> show, show teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your airline is is making this money. Make it make more money. Okay. <laughs> It's just such a weird thing. Stupid idea. Take vital money making. Can you well, imagine? Because they could extend the logic to nowadays. Could have the Elon Musk simulation. <laughs> yeah. The Mark Zuckerberg sim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just the the Bezos simulator. Do you wish to go up in a rocket? Yes or no? Cost you know, twenty five million. Oh, I don't know. It's quite a lot of money. Check down back of sofa. Oh, there's twenty five million. <laughs> oh, there, <yeah. laughs> Elon Musk has rang you and said, "I challenge you to a moon race." <laughs> Call him crazy or join in his madness. Call him crazy and then unleash the moon bots. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, stupid idea for a stupid game. It, yeah. is a, it is a pitch for the Richard Branson simulator, which which sounds like a brilliant title for an album by some kind of prog band. <laughs> Hello there, everyone. We are the Richard Branson simulation. It's like, um, it's like a proto being John Malkovich. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to this. This is the invention of Richard Branson Mark II. We hope you enjoy our new direction. <laughs> after ten after ten minutes of playing this, you get ejected onto the side of the A forty six. After I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Richard Branson first, puppet show second. <laughs> For goodness' sake! Uh, <laughs> oh dear, so badadvert.com. Another crap vert. Another crap vert for sure. That yeah. Take a look at the next one. Oh no. It went wrong. As soon as I saw the, <laughs> for some reason, they've got the word design in the corner twice. Well, that's... That, uh, that, it's no, design, design, isn't it? Is that what it's by? Oh, gosh. Yeah, so, oh, so, I just Lord. want to sort of roll the, roll the clock back to my dislike for bands who can't think of two different words. <laughs> I was thinking we about now that. have a software company that's called Design Design. Design There's Design. many different words. So what is this? Taking... Ta- is that Tiger Taking Mountain. Tiger Mountain? So that's the first game, Taking Tiger Mountain, which, which is... is um, Vector based. It looks like uh, what's the battle zone? I'm it's pretty sure zone. it's going to be a battle zone. Oh, the rip. world's worst version of Tron ever. <laughs> but it's a realistic tank and a realistic gland, and then in the background, <laughs> yeah. it's all vectors. And on a, I don't on like a weird the planet. No, I don't. And also a Death Star. What is it? Is another vector? Is a vector Death Star? <laughs> there is a vector Death Star. Or a badly drawn eye, like a Garfield eye with no eyeball. <laughs> and maybe that's two eyes at the top and one's in the background. <laughs> that thingy. So this is, yeah, Tiger Mountain. So this is, oh, I don't know, some rubbish, but it's the bottom one that got me because it looks like, do you remember the cricket commentator, Fred yes, Truman? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> it looks if, like it, Fred Truman in a red suit. If you blended, him, suit. <laughs> blended him with a monkey. <laughs> yeah. And then stuck him in the suit from Metroid. Yes, that is a Metroid-y suit, isn't it? It's got it's got oh. the obligatory muscles where humans don't actually have them as well. So, and a very elongated sort of right thigh. So his knee joint is really low down on his. He's got a, like a, a, a sort of a seventy-five to a meter long thigh, then a knee, 
And I then think it, he's, and I really think his torso is too short because yeah, his pecs it, are too high, so his, his groin is too high. His groin is too close to his chin. And he's got really, really <laughs> emboldened man pants on, like underpants, <laughs> with, with what can only be described as little testicle dots. So it makes his <laughs> underpants look like an angry bird. Like a beak. Oh, no, we're, back in, we're back in bird bull territory. He's got, he's, he's got a pant beak, which is not good. Um, and he looks a bit like a monkey. And, he's, and his left hand is sporting some kind of smoking pistol. His right hand is a bit kind of, uh, kind of just gripping the air in kind of anger. Yeah, angst. and behind, behind him, I'm not quite sure what's going on. I can't. Well, has he got his foot on a robot or has he stood on something that's he's shot on? I think or... he's got a foot on a robot and there's a robot surfing on a cloud of smoke. Like, I think that robot might have farted really badly. Well, it says, you know, Nemesis, sure. the countdown has begun. One man stands alone to defend the ultimate weapon, Nemesis, from the Androm- Andromedian <laughs> robot forces. Yeah, oh, Andromedian, that, that made me laugh as well, oh, the Andromedian. Dear. Andromedian. So they've got one hump, are they? And then, like a camel. <laughs> Drom- dromedy robots, is it? I can't remember what the word is for a camp one humped camel, but something Dromedary. like that. Dromedary. It's something like that, isn't it? It is, yeah. He has I to escape so. with the nemesis intact or start the countdown to self-destruct. Well, that seems very futile. Time, time is running, time's out. running out. Every second counts. Well, it often does if time's running out. For the Spectrum yeah. and Amstrad CPC range. Range. Did they have a range of Amstrad CPCs or Spectrums? I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, I suppose it's Spectrum... 1648 oh, Amstrad colour at the CPC 464 and 646 no, weren't there no actual uh, screen grabs is there from nope no which is always suspicious you know it is the definition of a crap book it is yeah and it's got that it's all in a box and then they've got the design design logo in that and that is what is called neon isn't it that's old fashioned trying to stylize it like a neon sign so, yep. and it's not actually in a neon font so nope. they've just it's just black so it's like the yep. neon lights have been switched off and broken and then they've just someone's just called, <laughs> spray painted the background with a blue wave. Why wouldn't you on a color advert make the den- design design neon sign look like a neon sign? I don't know. I don't have the answers for them. They do it on the lasers on the image on the Nemesis image has got kind of neony looking lasers. They could have just applied that logic. I'm yeah, making, all, the, I'm, all, all the battle zone tanks at the back yeah, have I'm just got making, glow on them. I'm making too much sense for an advert that features the word design, design in the top right-hand corner for no reason whatsoever. It's just there. There it is. Design, design, just in the corner. It doesn't need that. <laughs> is that your logo? Or is it the one at the bottom, in the middle, that's design, design in that kind of sideways neon? Just, just, no. This is why you don't name things design, design. It's just not good. It's not. It's, it's, really a, not. it's a stupid play in words that hasn't paid off. You and your monkey man game and your weird <laughs> tank space simulator can sod off. <laughs> so take your crap there and get out <laughs> and on that note and on that note <laughs> and on that note let's have a look at the chart so counting down from number 10 uh, in at number 10 we have golf construction set bear with me a moment i'm just gonna bring this over here down to number nine formula one simulator new in at number eight way of the tiger mm-hmm. uh, new in at number seven bump set spike mm-hmm. new in at number six nexus up to number five is world cup carnival Ugh. Terrible. Down to number four is International Karate. New in at number three is Silent Service. Mm. Uh, down to number two is Thrust. And in at number one, straight in, we have Green, Green Beret. Beret. Yeah, makes sense. It does make sense. Um, that that chart was from Commodore User. Uh, I couldn't find one in Steam VG, so we just got the one. This makes sense. Uh, so there you go. Games from this issue, Graham. What are we putting in? Are we doing any? I think we should. Um, yeah, I think Green Beret. Green Beret. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I would actually. I mean, I'll has, I'll reserve putting in putting it in until you've played it. But I think Murder on the Mississippi really deserves to go in there because it's actually pretty damn good. Mm. Um, and probably Tau Seti as well. And Tau Seti, yeah, I was going to say Tau Seti. Te- technically, very impressive. Yeah, it's been the story of this this episode really, and this series of games we've played that there's been lots of technical cleverness, lots of really good stuff, lots of amazing things. You know, even down to Shogun's attempt at doing something different. But they just don't seem to quite get the controls or the formula of the game right. It's one; it seems to be one or the other at this moment in time. If mm. you draw it back and keep it nice and simple, you get Green Beret, and then you've, all your problems are solved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they do have the benefit of sort of porting a brilliant arcade game, but yeah. it's still technically incredibly it can incredible. Go wrong, sort of, it can it can go wrong, but the you know the incredible getting that game in sixty four K. It's astonishing, amazing. isn't it? It is. Amazing. It's just amazing. All right, so there we go. Play Green Beret, really. Go play it. Next week's, what we got next issue is issue 17, so we're looking at September. Games Review, we've got Iraq, Beer Belly Burt's Brew Biz. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I think we, we've actually got another Cheapest Creepers lot, so there's okay. another budget roundup, so we'll have a Cheapest right. Creepers load again. So Karen's at Caverns of Erebon, I think. Danger Mouse in Double Trouble. Okay. Dragon's Lair. Oh, interesting. Quite a good Droids. Uh, what, Dragon's Lair? What? Mm. Sorry? Dragon's Lair's uh, quite interesting, yeah. Yeah. I think it was uh, Escape from Sinji's Castle. It's the better one, though, isn't it? In it it is, one. but Dragon's Lair features that really unique loader. It um, does, yeah, where they would load the next level in while, while you were playing, playing the, the first level, one. yeah. Very clever Yeah, stuff. clever that was. Uh, droids. Floyd's Droid. Formula One Stimulator. Okay, Freaky finally. Factory. Galaxy Birds. Uh, Ghost and Goblins. Ooh, Ghost uh, and Goblins. Goodness. Hercules. Mm, uh, Jet that. Strike Mission. Oh, Night yeah. Games. Ah, cool. Nice music from... Um, Dave Whitaker in, in Night Games. That'd be interesting really to play. Good, yeah. Uh, Mission AD. Wow, okay. Uh, Mission Elevator. Uh, that sounds less good. <laughs> uh, Necromancer. That sounds I'm not sure about these. really bad. Some of these might be adventures. Nightwalker. Mm. That sounds like a sort of dodgy Clint Eastwood or Charles Bronson film from the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> it does. <laughs> He's tracking down the Nightwalker. <laughs> Uh, then we've got which also could be a Clint Eastwood film Ninja Master yeah that's like, more like Lee Van Cleef he's going to be in that <laughs> Lee Van Cleef is Ninja Master he, he was in the Master one of the TV series he was yeah. Second City I thought that's a that's a um, simulator of some mercenary kind of... expansion ah, okay. uh, right. Split Personalities okay Trap interesting Rap. Video Poker less interesting yeah Warhawk oh cool yeah, Way of the Tiger and Wing Commander. Now, I don't know which ones of them are adventures or whatever, but if they're all games, that's a lot of bloody games. It is. Wing Commander's a budget game. It's that Microsoft, it's that Mastertronic one. So right. it isn't great. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. It isn't. Okay. Okay. It's, the, well, it's one of those classic green and blue simulators. Wing Commander? Yeah, yeah. So, you know. yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm aiming towards the ground, therefore it's more green. Oh, look at this, the sky. <laughs> Thankfully, it's more blue. Yeah, on the green. On the green, you're in the blue. <laughs> yeah. Trap. Trap's a shoot-em-up, isn't it? Trap is the shoot-em-up, but it's because it's got the famous trap demo in it. So It does, yes, absolutely. So, there you go. That's what's coming for over the next couple of episodes. I think that's about it from us. Have you got anything you wish to add? I don't think we have, have we? No, absolutely not. Up? We've been through a hell of a lot this evening, and we've got next episodes are going to be ram-packed with stuff, so... yes they are so uh, wish us well I think on that note I'm going to say I've been Adrian Mills and I have been Graham Ruddings and we have been zapped to the past thanks for listening and we'll see you next week bye bye 
Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.